Welcome back to episode 19 of the Split the Scene podcast. Uh, it's certainly been a very interesting week again for multiple reasons, not the obvious being uh, postseason NFL football, but uh, we'll get into it right off the jump here. We've got some more baseball news, and to be honest with you, for this one, I'm just going to leave the floor to Josh Golden and let him run with it because there's no other way to do this part. So, Josh... Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of other ways to approach this one. So, I mean, there's a lot of big free agents out there. You got your Trevor Bauer still unsigned. You got your George Springer still unsigned. We've heard a lot of rumors about George Springer to the Mets. Those are sort of dying down a little bit recently, but that's still out there. You got JT Real Muto out there. You got Brad Hand out there. You got a lot of guys. We're going to get to Liam Hendricks in a minute. But the big move of the past week or so, the best player available on the open market, not from free agency, but trade has been traded to the New York Mets and Francisco Lindor. And not only did the Mets get Lindor, but they got a great starter along with him and Carlos Carrasco. They did not have to give up too much. They gave up a Rosario, who has been a struggling player for many years for the New York Mets. Obviously was the number one prospect for the Mets for a while. And they tried to hold on hope for that for a long time. Didn't quite pan out with Ahmed Rosario. Tough guy to give up with Andres Jimenez. He came up last year, was one of the Mets' top prospects and played fantastic. I still think he's going to have a great MLB career, especially in Cleveland. He'll do great. And the Mets traded two prospects with it as well, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green, who I believe were the ninth and 10th prospects in the Mets' pretty weak farm system. So not too much there to go get a guy like Francisco Lindor, who's one of the top players in baseball, arguably the best player at his position along with Carlos Carrasco, who's a great starter to go along with him. Francisco Lindor is going to get extended soon by Steve Cohen with all that money he's got in his pockets. Lindor is a New York Met, hopefully will be a New York Met for a long time. And my immediate reaction to this trade is the New York Mets now have a lot of money and they're picking on the weak teams who don't have a lot of money, taking their superstars who they can't afford to pay anymore. This feels like a trade that the New York Yankees make. And it's kind of fun for me to enjoy this one for now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I definitely agree with the statement. If it looks like a New York Yankees uh, trade, Uh, you got New York in the name, just you had a different whole color scheme making that trade. So it was not nice for me to see, but, you know, nice for the sport. Uh, Dom, I I want to get you know if you want to add anything on for this with your muted microphone yeah, as you can yeah, talk. Yeah, I, <laughs> nice I song. Uh, I, I thought this was a great trade. And like, like Josh, you mentioned, you kind of picked on a weaker team. Cleveland doesn't deserve Francisco Lindor and it, it sucks for the fans. And I mean, they don't have a huge fan base as it is. Uh, Cleveland has always been way down in attendance for some odd reason, but the, the owners decided to go cheap and the owners don't really deserve Francisco Lindor and the Virgin owner in baseball does. So good for the Mets. I can't believe the Mets got Carrasco. Like that's I did not see honestly, that one in my opinion, my opinion, that means more to the Mets and obviously Lindor is a better player. Like I'm, I'm not an idiot. I'm going to say that, but for me, starting pitching as we've seen is so important and with Syndergaard going to be out for the majority of the year and even when he comes back he probably won't be the same Thor that we saw from 2015 2016 to 2018 which is fine but it now gives them some more leeway the Mets still have that top rotation in baseball now they have a shortstop to go up the middle because like Josh mentioned 
Ahmed Rosario never really panned out. He, he had some stretches where he looked like, you know, hey, this is what the Mets want. But there was a lot of very, very poor play from Rosario. And Jimenez was a great player. But anytime you have a chance to get a player like Lindor, you have to do it. And it's similar to the trade that the Dodgers made for Mookie Betts. It's a good trade. You got to extend them in order for it to be a great trade. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen. The Mets have entered the realm of being one of those top four teams in the National League, along with the Braves in their division and then the Potters and Dodgers out West. So barring anything catastrophic from the Mets or either of those three teams, we're certainly going to see those four teams take up four of the five playoff spots with the winner of the Central coming out as that other team. Absolutely. And I said to you, as soon as Blake Snell and you Darvish went to the Padres, great moves, but if they don't win the division, it's looking like they're going to have a one-game playoff against the best pitcher in baseball. That's not a great look for your Padres, Dom. Yeah, I mean, you have to be able to get through Jacob deGrom if you want to be the World Series champion. Obviously, that makes it significantly harder than saying face Joe Schmo. I don't I don't know. Like, Joe Schmo ain't someone else. How about, yeah, how about like Jack Flaherty? I mean, there's a Jack Flaherty's a great pitcher. The Potters beat him in the postseason last year, but there's a pretty big difference between Jacob DeGrom and Jack Flaherty. So you, you don't want to do that, obviously, but, you know, getting in is getting in. And then at that point, he's got to win one game and that'll be a uh, nervous wreck for me. Hopefully we just win the division, but I got a feeling it's just going to be the health, the healthier team between the Mets, the Braves, and then the healthier team between the Dodgers and Padres is going to win the division. Cause I think all four of those teams are so even and then with uh, going from the 60-game season to the 162-game season, a big part of the next season is going to be about staying healthy. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, that'll be something we'll have to talk about more. The thing I always thought, thought interesting about this trade was uh, you, it, it's not this isn't really arguable because if you look more in depth between the two, the two big trades, uh, one of them involved a lot of salary dump. But, I mean, in reality, if you look at it, you know, in just face – the Edwin Diaz trade, it looks like the Mets gave up more for what they got than they did in the Lindor trade. But you could argue, obviously, in the Diaz trade, the, the Mets took on some crazy contracts for the Mets, which was a part of it. But, yeah, I mean, Josh, exactly. It, you know, it's like, not even close. This is The Mets gave up significantly less in this trade for a much better return. Yeah, I just thought it's yeah, just crazy. Every, every baseball fan knew when the Mets made that Edwin Diaz trade that they lost that trade. Like there wasn't a single fan that's like, Oh, I like this trade for the Mets. Everyone's like, you're taking on an aging second baseman with a big contract and a closer who's now coming from Seattle, one of the smaller markets in baseball to New York, the biggest market in baseball. Basically everyone knew that trade was just not good. And this trade is absolutely phenomenal for the Mets. I can't applaud them anymore. If they go in and sign George Springer, they are immediately one of those top four teams in the national league. Yeah, I'm getting a little more concerned about George Springer coming to the Mets. I think those rumors are starting to die down a little bit. I think I was saying this to Dom a few minutes before we started recording. I think the longer that the Mets wait on George Springer, the better chance they'll have of getting him. If we're sitting here a month from now and George Springer is still unsigned, I think the Mets are going to have a much better chance of getting him. Just the more that clock ticks, the better chance the Mets are going to have of getting him. But if he's starting to move things a little quicker, I don't think the Mets are going to be able to get in there. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say before we move on is uh, it's it's uh, crazy. It's crazy to think, but uh, from an NLE standpoint, I mean, I, I I'd argue that you got two of the top 
seven teams in baseball in, in that division. And it's just like the NLS where you could argue the exact same thing. So definitely be interesting to see. And, uh, you know, it just continues to go with the old narrative we've got going here that the NL is is the superior uh, division in baseball now. And the Mets making their moves definitely certifies that. But to move on to the AL side, Dom, I'm going to let you run with this one. You, you got there's some other news to talk about besides Lindor thing involving a certain team wearing some socks, but not the team that a lot of people have been talking about in the 21st century. What do you got for me, Dom? Yeah, Chicago White Sox made a big splash on the relieving market. They signed probably the best reliever in baseball, Liam Hendricks, to a three-year deal with a fourth-year option. Really funky contract, but it's going to be a really great contract for them. Hendricks has been, like I said, the best reliever over the past two years, and it's it's incredible how far this White Sox team has come in this offseason. They now traded for Lance Lynn. They signed Adam Eason, and then they, they signed Liam Hendricks. So the deal... Uh, he's guaranteed $54 million over the course of three years with that fourth year option. And it doesn't matter whether or not he plays for the White Sox in that fourth year, he will get the $54 million because if he, if uh, the White Sox opt out, uh, the buyout is the same amount as what he would get paid that year. So they're incentivized to keep him, but if all of a sudden he's not doing well, they'll pay that $15 million over a period of 10 years so it's technically four years, 54, but it can be three. It's three years guaranteed. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I guess that can mean you get a lot of open options with maybe that fourth year. They they trade him at the end of the third year. So they don't have to deal with that buyout, dump it on another team. I guess that'd be something interesting to see towards the end of his career, uh, not career contract. But I mean, it's interesting, you know, they, they went and they signed the guy that helped beat them in the first round of the postseason last season. You, you can't. I, I love that. I love those type of moves. I mean, you know, you see, you know, it's always hard in sports to uh, trade guys with people in your division. But I mean, when you have a free agent on the market that's not from a team that just beat you, why not go and get them? It's a good player. And when you come around and maybe you have to play the athletics again when you're the White Sox, he's pitching for you. So, I mean, I know we talked a lot about the White Sox being an upstart team before the postseason even started last year when they made it as far as they did to get to the postseason, that 60-game sprint. But uh, to see them getting better is definitely fun because uh, I feel like a lot of baseball fans just naturally cheer for the White Sox. Josh, I'm curious, but uh, you you have anything to add on this uh, Hendricks news? I think this is a great signing for Chicago. I think this puts them in contention to even win the pennant in the American League. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and do that. Right now, it's looking like they could be my pick to win the American League. And taking him from Oakland is very nice. I think Oakland is starting to lose some pieces now. I know Simeon's on the open market as well. I don't think he's going to resign. Matt Chapman's going to be out for a while next year. So that could mean Oakland missing the playoffs overall, despite having a great year last year for them. But I think this Chicago team is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. And I think they are going to have a great chance at winning the pennant. I thought they were the best team in the American League before they signed Hendricks. And, I mean, you guys have heard me be very critical of the Yankees. A lot of inconsistent bats in that lineup. Obviously, when those guys are all clicking, they have the best lineup in baseball. And it's frankly not even close. But they also just don't have a pitching staff right now. The Rays, they lost two of their best three starters. You already mentioned it. The A's, they lost Hendricks. And they lost uh, Simeon, their, their primary shortstop. They also just didn't have a ton of guys on offense contribute like they thought they were going to get out of them. And then Houston, they lost Brantley and 
Verlander is going to be out with an arm injury again. There's a lot of interesting pieces in, in Springer for the Astros as well. A lot of interesting pieces in the American League. Every team that made the playoffs last year, with the exception of the Twins, has gotten worse, while the White Sox have gotten significantly better, adding a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher who are both amongst the best at their position. I don't see a way this team should be not the favorite in the American League. And that I, I think it's them, the Twins, and then probably the Yankees when they add a starting pitcher or two. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, I already mentioned it. Uh, the NL is going to be the powerhouse division for – or not division, sorry, league for a while. But the AL is definitely interesting because it's sort of like sort of like you saw with the, uh, with the AFC – in the playoffs that it was pretty uh, going into the postseason, it's pretty wide open. I mean, I, I look over at that AL East and I'm, I'm really interested to see who's going to come out of there. Cause you know, you, you talked about Oakland got weaker. Uh, the Astros are going to be weaker, obviously. So you got teams like the angels. I mean, we could see the angels do something if they, you know, obviously they've got, we know they have some pieces over there. It's Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon. I, I'm, I'm really interested to watch the angels next year. Cause you know, obviously we haven't seen trout in the postseason. I think I think next year could be it could be the the year that changes that depending mainly because of how weak the AL West is going to be in general. I'm curious, you guys. Yeah, they're, I I I'm assuming they're going to get Trevor Bauer, and as soon as Trevor Bauer becomes an angel, they're my favorite to win that division. Yeah, there I you go. Disagree with you. I think they're a pretty good team, and especially if they add Bauer, they're going to have a good shot at that thing. But you mentioned the AL East, which I find a very interesting division as well with. Tampa and the Yankees losing some pieces. Keep an eye on the Toronto Blue Jays. That could be a team to watch. They got a lot of young talent out there. They could be adding some pieces. I know they've been in the mix on George Springer as well. I think that could be a big team to watch. They're also in the mix on DJ LeMahieu, who it seems like the Yankees are not in uh, not on agreement in how much DJ LeMahieu should be paid. Now the Yankees reportedly said, go out find the deal that you're looking for and then come back to us and present us with the facts that you have that deal. And we'll give it to you if that's what you want. Cause the Yankees, they're, they're trying to play hardball with LeMahieu. When LeMahieu's been their consistent hitter for over the past two years, when guys like Stanton, yes. Judge, Sanchez, Torres, Hicks, all those guys have been inconsistent or injured. LeMahieu's played just about every single game. So I, I don't know what the Yankees are doing. They have all the money in the I, world. I can't imagine a world where he does not resign with the New York Yankees. I would like to be optimistic and think that he'll end up in another place. Maybe Toronto would be really cool, but I don't see the Yankees not paying him. They're the New York Yankees. He's their best hitter right now. They're not letting him walk. Yeah, I'm just I just agree with Dom here that I think it's such a stupid thing that they haven't done it. I mean, he's he's if you when going into the offseason, the like top the board thing was just give him what he wants. He, he, like Dom said, I mean, there's no better way to put it. That lineup has been inconsistent with injuries and just inconsistency in general. And DJ LeMay, who has been though, the one shining light that's been guiding them through any of those times. And you not, you haven't paid him yet. So if I we're seeing a world where the New York Mets are able to go out and make a move like this for Francisco Lindor and then pay him all the money that he wants in the world. And the Yankees aren't even going to pay their own guy in DJ LeMay, to real changing of the tides in New York. Hey, the, the 20, the 2020 decade, 2020s decade is already proving to be a, a, a little more than roaring in sports. So uh, I think uh, <laughs> anything can happen in this decade so far. And we've already seen it, but I mean, 
I don't really have anything else baseball wise. I think guys, I think that, that pretty much wraps it, wraps it up. It's really only just Hendricks and Lindor to talk about right now. Right. I mean, yeah. And the hot stove has been heating up recently. I imagine we'll consistently have about these 10 to 15 minutes at the beginning of every podcast to talk about whatever happens next week. hundred percent. Yeah. This is when, uh, this is when the MLB the offseason one, gets rolling. The one thing I think about to know your thoughts on, uh, Another New York Yankee who could be leaving the nest and Masahiro Tanaka potentially going to the Padres. Been hearing a lot about that. What are your thoughts on adding another starter there? Uh, you know, the, you can never have too many starting pitching options. It, he also said earlier this offseason he wants to be a Yankee or go back to Japan, which I think could be true, or it could just be him trying to up his value in New York because they obviously need him because Jordan Montgomery is currently their number two pitcher, that or an injured. Luis Severino coming off Tommy John surgery. The Yankees need starting pitching. If you haven't picked that up from my conversation here. No, I mean the Padres, obviously we would like to with uh, certainly some question marks around the Met and, you know, Blake Snell and you Darvish don't have the best track records. It's better than Mike Clevenger's uh, arm track record. So there's, there's that. So you can never have too many starting pitching options, but this isn't certainly a need. I think he's, I truly think he's either going to the Yankees or he's going back to Japan where he pitched before he came over. Yeah. To me, the desire to go out and get another starting pitcher for the Padres though, just makes me concerned about the health of the Nelson Lamette's arm. And he's, he's shown on Instagram. He has been progressing with his arm and it, it seems like he will be able to go. It's just how good is he going to be when the season comes around, which exactly. I, if he's on the mound, he's going to be good because he's still going to be throwing 96, 97, 98 with one of the best sliders in all baseball. Yeah. And uh, the luxuries of baseball in its regular season is, and including the fact that the Padres had the luxury of uh, already having a, lo- a decent amount of starting pitching ready is uh, they can work him back as slow as they want to. It's 162 games and you got other guys you can plug in for certain games instead of lament if you need to. Uh, so They've got all the time in the world to, to mess around with Lament, and Lament has all the time in the world to get back to the form we saw in that 60-game sprint before he got injured. But, um, yeah, that, that wraps up baseball. Uh, as the title goes, we're going to switch to the other seamed sport. Uh, it was a wild week in wild super wild card weekend in the NFL. Uh, we had six whole playoff games, and a lot of people love to see it. We had some slime. We had some upsets. And uh, we had some straightforward wins, but uh, we're going to jump right into it. I'm just going to go right off the, the playoff schedule because we're going to cover every one of these games. We need to uh, we need to talk about every single one, no doubt. Uh, we'll start. We'll kick it off with the one that uh, Josh is here to be. Josh is here for completely all in right. Uh, we'll get Josh. Josh will uh, get to you. Get to you in just a second here. But I'm just going to go ahead and you know break down the game like for brass tacks, I would give off the numbers. Uh, obviously uh, the, the Colts, uh, the Colts and Buffalo game is the game I'm talking about here. As I stutter my way through it uh, was last week in Buffalo. Uh, the fans were allowed for the first time this season in the stadium, uh, which was Josh has not let you on here, but it was the game. The game score is 24, 27, but this game was uh this game was a roller coaster. So Josh, I'm just going to give you the floor here. Uh, talk about, Buffalo's first playoff win in the 21st century. Yeah. So this was one of the most stressful mornings of my lifetime. It was certainly an experience to watch this game. 
so much to talk about, but at the end of the day, this really just had a poetic ending to it. You saw a little bit of the old bills at the end there, you know, choking away a nice, I think it was a 14 point lead. Josh Allen's crazy fumble that lost like 20 yards. Darrell Williams made the play of the game to jump on that ball. Colts get the ball back. Bills force the fumble, get completely screwed over by the refs. I still don't understand how you don't call that a fumble, but that's a whole nother discussion. It looked like things were not going to go the Bills way. And then they make a couple nice defensive plays and we get into a Hail Mary situation. Oh boy, some PTSD from back in Arizona. And of course it ends with the first guy who was brought into this Buffalo Bills organization under Sean McDermott, Mr. Micah Hyde, knocking that ball straight to the ground and the Bills going on to win this game. It was something really special to see a guy like Micah Hyde, who's been through everything with this organization under Sean McDermott, who went through that crazy Hail Mary situation in Arizona to be the one to knock that ball down. That was just a special moment. And it was a big, big moment for the city. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was poetic. I mean, uh, to talk about that last drive was, uh, cause that's obviously the story, the major story of this game, you could argue would probably be the last drives. Uh, I mean, you can't argue that the national one for this, this was the last drive of the Colts because of the fumble stuff. I want to talk about what happened after that though. I mean, it was certainly interesting. They get that call and they have like 12 seconds left. I think it's like, and they obviously what they do is they're on their own or they're on the 49, four, five of Buffalo out of field range, certainly out of field goal range in Buffalo outdoors. Uh, and instead of going for one shot up the middle, which I know Buffalo was giving away and go for a spike to kick the field goal, they take three shots where Phillip Rivers looks like a Madden player when you accidentally hit uh, the circle button to throw to receiver right after you snap and just chucks three straight balls out of bounds. I don't know. I thought, I thought they could have tried something down the middle with that first down after they got the fumble. I don't know, Don, maybe you were thinking. And there was only like 11 seconds left. And of course they didn't have any timeouts. They used them all to get the ball back. So they didn't really have a choice And the bills. We talked about how well coached they are and it showed they're all lining up on the outside. They made you make the throw inside mm-hmm. Or you had to make a perfect throw and a perfect catch to, one, just catch the ball, and two, get out of bounds. And, of course, they didn't. The The Colts, I thought, played a very well game here, but they blew a couple of opportunities. We all remember the fourth down from the four that they didn't convert there, and then the missed field goal from Blankenship. I mean, right there, that's 10 points, or potentially just six points if you take the two field goals. You lose the game by three. Obviously, the Bills would have taken that final drive a little differently. But both these teams, I felt like they left points up on the board. And neither team, like, really played a perfect game. But the Bills, they had a better roster, so they were able to not play perfectly and still get the job done. And as we all know, wildcard weekend, it's historically dominated by wildcard teams. So for the Bills to come out here and weather the storm, including somehow finding a way to be winning at halftime, was pretty incredible for them. Yeah, Leo, you said that the moment of the game was those last two drives, the drive with the fumble for the Bills at the end and the Hail Mary knocked down for the Colts. I think the big moment in this game was the 14-point swing at the end of halftime, getting that fourth down stop at the goal line. And Gabe Davis, oh my God, Gabe Davis, making two of the best catches I've ever seen in that game. Just phenomenal toe drags from Gabe Davis to move the Bills down the field and put seven on the board. But 
that felt like the time where this game really changed for me. I mean, the Colts had the ball down 10, up 10, seven with a chance to punch it in. Couldn't get it done, get stopped on fourth down. And the bills walk all the way down, take the lead and get the ball to start the second half as well. That was a huge moment in this game. And a lot of people, the thing that upsets me about this game was that a lot of people were critical of Frank Reich for going for that fourth down on, I believe it was fourth and goal at the four. The issue was the third down call. I don't understand how it could have been any more clear. They've been killing the bills up the middle the entire game. Take Jonathan Taylor right up the middle. Instead, he runs it outside and they lose three yards. It's much harder to get it into the end zone from four yards out than a yard out. If you have a yard, if you know you're going to go for it, you run it up the middle on third down. Worst case scenario, you don't get it. And you got fourth and goal from the one instead of the four. I don't understand what Frank Craig was doing there. That was the big mistake of the game to me. Yeah, and I'm a proponent of going for it inside the two because, in my opinion, when you're inside the two, I feel like you're more likely to get that safety potentially or the other team is going to be a little bit more conservative with their play calls, especially running the ball. And we all know the Bills don't exactly run the ball very well. Only ran the ball 21 times for 96 yards. Actually without Zach Moss now, which is a big Right. Big it ball. is. And – but from the four, I thought the play call on it was perfect. And Phillip Rivers was like a foot off, less than a foot off on his throw. And Pittman, Pittman should have had catch. that ball. It wasn't a perfect throw, but Pittman should have had that ball. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he had no chance of catching that ball, but he full extended and it hit off his fingertips. Like that, that was a tough play. The Bills made you make a perfect play and they, they made a good play. It wasn't perfect, though. So, I mean, if they just kick it, like I said, I like going for it on a situation, but four yards is uh, significantly tougher than the two yards because you're, you're, you're not going to run the ball from the four, but you can run the ball from the one or the two. It really gives you that option. Absolutely. But to me, just everyone's saying it was the mistake to go on fourth down. No, the mistake was the third down play call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm never going to – I'm never going to dog anyone on – well, I'm not going to all, I'm going to, most of the time I'm going to be adverse to uh, saying no for fourth down, go for us as an Eagles fan. Cause uh, I've had to advocate for certain decision-making for a while, but obviously that's something we'll talk about later. I, I, maybe I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I more so meant like from a national perspective, everyone was most talking about this game at the height of that review with the fumble, not fumble. That's when like most people were talking about the, uh, it's kind of what I meant, but you know, obviously, uh, that was also a big swing for the game script. Yes. Without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, I mean like NFL refs, I don't know what you're doing again. I mean, I'm not going to, they're, they're still not the worst refs in sports and I I'll die by that, um, to me, but boy, you guys make a case every week. Don't you? I mean, that's cleared, obviously a fumble without a doubt. Full stop. I, There's nothing else to say here. I, uh, I was it. fuming at that play. I, I didn't can imagine. I at that moment, I thought the NFL was rigged. I really did. I mean, I I, 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 I couldn't see a more clear and obvious knee being up before Poyer touched him on the back. I mean, I don't know. I could go on about it for days. I thought the NFL was rigged at that moment. Bills held on to win the game, and that's all that matters. Yeah, it, yep, it, so it ended up. It ended up not matter. Yeah, so it's it's going to be washed away mostly in the eyes of many people. Maybe not us, but uh, in other. And people. if it mattered, 
probably would have never heard the end of it for the rest of my life. A hundred percent. But uh, regardless, Buffalo Bills first win in postseason history. And uh, now they uh, get to bring in another team, another post, another postseason game in Buffalo. And they'll be uh, hosting the Ravens, which we'll get into later on. I'm going to save. I'm going to stop us from commenting anything on that because we have time to talk about it later. So we're going to jump to the next game. Uh, Actually, wait, I want to quickly dabble on the Colts a little bit before we go, actually, because it's been mostly Buffalo centered. Uh, The Colts, obviously. Now we're in a position here where the Colts are going to be a quarterback away from doing this again. Uh, I don't think, you know, Jacoby Brissett can really get it done. I think they're going to be active in certain markets looking for a quarterback. Uh, P. Riv, uh, I mean, if this was his last game, uh, obviously great career. Hall of Famer, if you think so, if you don't, I think he is uh, based off of things. And, uh, I mean, it was good to see him go go in a playoff game instead of going off of a 2-14 and team or something like that. So, P. Rivai, we salute you. You guys Absolutely. want to say anything? Congratulations about? to a great career on Philip Rivers. He certainly made it sound like that was the last game of his career. He is going to do some reflecting, he said, but that probably should be it for him. We're looking at the Colts now and who they're going to fill that quarterback position with. Leo, I know there's one name that's been tossed around a lot, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but I do see that as a perfect fit there if that is something the Eagles choose to do. Uh, yeah, uh, but the, yeah, we'll see going forward. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's, it's a little different now with other circumstances happening in the week. Uh, but yeah, I will see Colts, Colts fans. It, it, you, you, you're fine. Okay. You, you're you're going to be back. If you, if your team makes one right move, one decent right move, even I think you're, you're going to be fine. I still think you're a playoff team if you make, but you know, I can't say for sure because teams have screwed up situations like this before. So we'll jump into the next game. Or, Dominic, you want to say something about P-Riff? Yeah, I feel like you should say something about P-Riff really quick. Uh, thank you for at least representing the city of San Diego. You know, you uh, you kind of embodied our city. Always had so much potential, so much promise, and just always found ways to uh, never get over the top and get the job done. And it was never really your fault. Um we were all rooting for you. I I told Josh we were rooting for Philip. Uh, you know, if you guys beat the Colts, I'm certainly rooting for you guys all the way. But uh, Rivers, he said he's either returning to the Colts or he's going to go to Alabama and coach. He's already signed off to start coaching high school football like his father did. So good for him. You hear to hear first, Dom. You hear here, folks, Dom. Uh, folks, Dahmer says that uh, San Diegans. Love to have a lot of kids because he said Philip Rivers and Bobby San Diego. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I want to throw a little joke. I, thank you, Dom, for the P Rivers segment. Um, but let's uh, jump into this next game here. Uh, the, la- the next game we had was, uh, well, the, another team's, another podcast member's team here. It was uh, Rams Seahawks was the next game on Saturday's slate. And uh, this segment's just going to be called Dahmer Says I Told You So. So, uh, Dom, go ahead. Tell us I told you so. I told you guys, this was what was going to happen all damn year. I I said it every single week. The Rams are better than the Seahawks at every single position except for quarterback. And I look 100% right. This team got killed in the coaching staff. They got killed in the trenches. They got killed up top. There's no other way to say it. We body bagged Russell Wilson. He looked like a fool. And 
Russell Wilson's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And for the best defense in the NFL to hold him to 11 of 27 passing for 174 yards and two touchdowns, one of which came in absolute garbage time on a broken play. It, it was a dominant performance. And I said it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. And I couldn't be more than happy. Unfortunately, Wolford got hurt. He started off the game, you know, fine. And then he, uh, he decided not to slide. And Jamal Adams, since he can't tackle because he had a hurt shoulder, uh, he lowered his shoulder into him. It wasn't a dirty hit, but it certainly should have been an unnecessary roughness penalty. You know, you hit a quarterback in the head. Things aren't – that's a penalty. And Wolford, he went from around 5'9 to 5'7 and a half when he had his neck crunched. And then Jared Goff had to come in with a broken thumb. And I thought he played – I thought he played fine considering the circumstances. I've said consistently over the past two months, the Seahawks defense has been good. And I thought they played pretty well. They just – we're given horrible opportunities because their offense wasn't able to do anything. And the Rams were able to capitalize enough and K makers was phenomenal. And hopefully you can do the same thing against a much worse rushing defense in the green Bay Packers. Yeah. I mean, um, shout out to Russell Wilson. I'm proud of you for playing on par with a man with a broken thumb. Good job. He played that worse. He play, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. They, they were like, you know, they're like right here. I mean, they're both bad, but I mean, one of them can't do this very well. And the other one's supposedly a top five quarterback in the NFL. It certainly didn't look like it that game. Um, I mean, okay. I, I, I kind of want to follow the, I kind of like playing with the narrative of, uh, of Seattle Seahawks and cheap shots. So I'm going to call that a cheap shot, regardless of what you're going to say. And the excuse that Jamal Adams doesn't have a functioning shoulder. So he's allowed to chip shot someone like that is stupid. Cause if you have a hurt shoulder, don't play in the game. It's it, that's playoff game. It's a I know, but I'm just he, saying he wasn't game. he wasn't very good. He missed he missed. I thought I counted four missed tackles, and he also Obviously, that wasn't one of them. And, and he, he wasn't that coverage. great in coverage. Yeah, so yeah, he hurt so, he I mean, hurt his team by I, being out on the field, and it's unfortunate. I'm not saying that was that was his first career playoff game, given that he was with the Jets. Uh, he got a very nice welcome to the playoffs. He now gets to go to Cabo and celebrate with his family. Uh, good for him, but. I know repair his shoulder and his fingers, Josh, I'm not saying he shouldn't have played the game. I'm just saying like the excuse that, Oh, he, ha- he, he doesn't have a functioning shoulder. So he's allowed to try to break someone's neck. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, but you know, I, I will say this much about this Seattle team. Obviously I was very high on the Seattle team all year Yes, and their defense did enough to win this game. They really did. I said for the last two months that, this defense is good enough to win a championship and Russell needs to figure it out and they'll be able to do it. Russell just well, didn't figure it out. And I don't even think it was Russell Wilson's fault. Uh, that offensive line, I said it was terrible. It was terrible. The Rams, the Rams only got five sacks, but they were in his face all day. Aaron Donald played the game of his life. He had two sacks. He was phenomenal. And then he got hurt bringing down Russell Wilson and he didn't play the entire second half and the Seahawks were still only able to score 10 points. And that touchdown they scored was in a garbage time drive. So, I mean, he's going to play this week, which is good because I don't think they'd seen a chance. But I'm amazed the, the, that he didn't break five ribs. Like, yeah. the way he tackled Russell, his backside fell right onto the ribs. I don't understand. With Russell's entire body weight, I don't understand how he didn't break five ribs. He got very lucky there. 
No, my well, guy's inhuman, is what he is. He, my man, yeah. plays with knives when he's uh, doing off-season drills. I, I don't. Expect, I think those ribs are made of titanium. Yeah, yeah no, he, uh, he's probably the most fit player in the league. Like, have you ever seen him shirtless? Well, it's incredible. Uh, or decaf, DK. Yeah, uh, That's what yeah, I was gonna sorry. say. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, they, they train together, so it makes sense. The, they're one right. A, they're one A, one B in that argument. So sure, sure, and but, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, it's because of the work that he puts in the off season, because he's never had any injury issues. So this for him, I mean, obviously, it's not his fault he got injured. He was making a tackle, and Wilson landed on him, but it, it shows the work he puts in in the off season and during the season off the field is contributing to his health. That's why he's worth every penny. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, but I mean, uh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Uh, yeah, I, I like to go with the the cheap shot thing. I think I made a, a funny tweet. I, I Dom started. It was like death taxes and blah, and uh, I finished it off with death taxes and Seattle Seahawks cheap shots in playoff games, uh, which was I thought was funny because you know Eagles fan Carson Wentz gets Jadavian Clownied. In his postseason game, Jamal Adams tries to murder a poor uh, little CFL quarterback. Um, AEF. A, excuse me. Sorry, I picked the wrong. Do not uh, disrespect. Don't, don't, that, hey, don't, don't disrespect the I picked the wrong the irrelevant football don't league. The you don't disrespect either. the Alliance. Sorry. The fleet games the were awesome. Yeah, okay, Dom. fun. Okay, Dom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, see, this is th- this game is a perfect way for me to segue to talking even more reason why uh, people shouldn't jump off the Carson Wentz thing is because Seattle Seahawks offensive line was terrible in that game because they were very injured and uh, they've been mixing and matching uh, an offensive line all season. And that's why Russell Wilson looked partly why Russell Wilson looked very bad. It's the same thing the Eagles were dealing with the entire season. So Wentz haters. The same thing Carson's been dealing with his entire career. Well, no, at least since 2017. Yes. No, uh, kind of, but at least the last two years. It's gotten worse and worse every year. Yeah. I mean, it can't. And that's I, why he's gotten worse and worse every year. Uh, that's that's what, yeah, that is, that is the argument I am making here. Uh, uh, but anyways, not to segue off it too much. The Rams. Yeah. They beat, they win. They beat the Seahawks. Uh, Josh is a NFC champ pick. Or no, you, you didn't have yeah. them going that far. Yeah, they, they were my preseason Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I, I thought I thought you would have uh, wised up on recent podcast episodes. I guess I'm oh, wrong. No, I I said I believe it was the week 17 podcast. Maybe it was last week's that I am taking the Bills to win it all. I, I know. Yeah. I, I wanted. To, I knew that. I was talking about the NFC side. Who you had? I, I probably still said Seattle. I don't recall, but I probably still said Seattle. He, he did. And I mean, his, justifi- his justification wasn't bad. I mean, we saw what the offense looked like in the I'm, first half. I'm of the still year. right about it. I trusted a top five quarterback to figure it out, and he just didn't. I'll I mean, do that every time. Yeah, the offensive line failed him. It was hurt, and they tried to bring the guys back in the playoffs, and it just didn't work. Yeah, uh, I think one of the funniest things I also want to comment on this thing is uh, Seattle coaching changes. They've made some changes. Uh, no, their DC's not fired. Uh, Schottenheimer, Shoddy, is out as a, a coordinator. And I'm told by my Seattle Seahawks insider, Bennett Prague, a.k.a. he just sent me a tweet. Uh, <laughs> he didn't actually tell me anything. Uh, that uh, the Shoddy got fired slash quit mainly because Pete Carroll and him clashed with decision-making on calls. And the main focal point of that was that Pete Carroll wanted to run the ball more, which basically means next season we're going to see more of the faded Seattle Seahawks run, run, pass. 
And here's here's the thing about this <laughs> Seattle coaching staff. We've heard a lot of players in the last few years who have spent a long time in Seattle leave Seattle and talk about how some things are kind of broken out there. And I think a lot of it is relying on Pete Carroll. And I think it's interesting to hear you say that Pete Carroll wants to be a little more reliant on the run because this whole thing in Seattle really kind of started to go down when Pete Carroll didn't call the run in that Super Bowl. And since then, I feel like this culture has been broken. You've heard Marshawn Lynch, you've heard Earl Thomas, I believe Richard Sherman's on the record saying it as well, that Pete Carroll lost the locker room with that pass call back in whatever year it was, I believe it was four or five years ago. And, and still hasn't gotten the locker room back. No, and I've said many times, I don't think Pete Carroll's that good Carroll. of a head coach. And yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, I, 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 think, I still think he's a good head coach. I think it's just hard for these guys to play for him now in Seattle. I think that moment will live in infamy in Seattle forever. And I just don't see the Pete Carroll Seattle matchup working together anymore. I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to find something new. I still think Pete Carroll is a great football coach and he should get another head coaching job elsewhere. Yeah. But I think Pete Carroll in Seattle time is taken there. I I 100% agree with that. And I mean, it, it makes no sense to try and run the ball and take the hands out of your best player, take the ball out of the hands of your best player. Obviously, you do need to run the ball a little bit to keep them honest, but you, you shouldn't like try to put an emphasis on we need to run the ball. No, let Russ let, let Russ cook, like you guys say. The problem was their offensive line sucked, and they weren't able to do anything because of that. And the Rams' defense was just better than them. Yeah, I just I just know from you know being close to a Seattle Seahawks fan for so long that. Uh, for the last two years before this year, the the meme of the Seattle Seahawks offense was that every single time, you know, every single drive from a first down point, they would do a run, run pass where they would just run halfback dive twice, gain four yards, and then ask Russell Wilson to convert third and longs left, right, and center. And it drove Seattle fans mad. And to see the Pete Carroll wants to, you know, go back to that. And that's why an OC was fired is hilarious to me. Oh, so. it, it, it's beautiful as a Rams fan. And you also got to remember, they don't have a first round draft pick this year. They traded that for Jamal Adams. So obviously Jamal is a great player. When he was healthy, he elevated that defense, but for them to not even win the wild card round, despite trading the first round draft pick, wasn't good. Now last year, the Rams traded their first round draft pick. They also don't have it again this year for Jalen Ramsey. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. They rebounded by drafting well everywhere else outside of that first round draft pick. So it's definitely still possible for the Seahawks, but they're not in a great spot right now. Who did Jaguars take with the Rams pick last year? Was that? Uh, I think it was Clevon Chason. Clevon Chason? That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Okay. All right. But uh, anyways, moving off that game, we'll talk about the Rams a little bit later. Seattle, uh, a little bit in limbo. I'm sure we'll talk about them in the coming months, weeks, whichever episode it ends up landing on. I'm sure it will. But uh, next game to move on to uh, is is a is a tale of of uh, is a tale of one man, and no, I'm not talking about Tom Brady. Uh, but uh, it is it is the football team versus the Buccaneers. The Bucs did end up pulling off this game, but uh, the whole the whole storyline that came out of this in the media, and, and I feel like we should touch on before we get in depth in this game, is Mr. Taylor Heineke. My oh my, was he a fuel for the memes? a fuel for the hearts of football team fans for the future. 
and maybe even uh, some teams that might miss out on some of the more premier quarterback choices of this offseason. I mean, you know, he played a pretty good game. I mean, it's nothing great by any stretch, but on paper, but I mean, you go, you, you throw for 300 yards against a good bucks team when you haven't really had much time with the starters uh, you run in a touchdown, you throw a touchdown. I mean, you keep this game close for Washington football football team fans. It, it's it it was it was fun to watch. It, it made it fun to watch in a game that I thought was going to be fun to watch. Is all I'll say before I throw it over to these two. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I thought Taylor Heineke was absolutely fantastic, and I think he should be starting for the Washington football team next year. I mean it looks like he's capable of leading this offense. They put up 23 points against a very, very good defense in Tampa Bay. And that was without spending a lot of time practicing with the number one unit. I think Taylor Heineke really showed that he has the skill and he should be able to compete for the starting job in Washington, if not there somewhere else. But I think that's a kid with a lot of potential. I mean, I'm not going to argue. He doesn't have potential. It's one game. I'm not going to jump one playoff game. Yeah, it's still one game. I mean, this is the same way I treated Jimmy G, and I'm right about Jimmy G. Uh, Jimmy G got blown way out of proportion when he got moved to when he played that four game stretch against San Francisco and got handed a way too big contract, and everyone thought he was going to oh, be. Oh, I'm not saying give Taylor Heineke five years, 137 million dollars. I'm not a moron, but I, I think Taylor Heineke deserves a shot at the starting job next year. Yeah, I know, but he he needs a contract. Is what I'm saying. He's a free agent. Yeah, so. two years, fifteen million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm not talking. I wasn't more talking about the contract. I was just talking about the the progression of Jimmy G. You know, played four great games. You know, gets moved to new team or move. I'll move new team. Plays four great games. Blown into proportion of potential top five quarterbacks for the next ten years. I'm like, you're crazy. Now it was five games, but yes, yeah. Well. Anyways. And I mean, Jimmy G has been much better than any quarterback they've put in for San Francisco. I mean, to what he's like 22 and seven as a starting quarterback in San Francisco yeah. and the others. I mean, it, it's a difference. It, it's, it's legitimate. I, I, I don't think you can overstate that. I don't, I just don't think it, it's really as much Jimmy G as we're thinking it is. I think it's Kyle Shanahan. No, I don't think Jimmy game. G is bad. I don't think he's necessarily great, but he's average. He's good enough to get the job done. We're, moving off this topic here because we're talking about Tampa and Washington here, but this was an interesting game to me. I thought Washington put up a really good fight. Tampa's just the better team. There's not really much else to say about it. And they're moving on to face the new Orleans saints in a nice little divisional matchup in the postseason. Yeah. Um, shout out an Antonio Brown touchdown in the postseason in 2021. Wow. Wow. Sucks. Yeah. Can't believe that happened. Uh, Yeah. He should not be playing in the league anymore. Well, he just won a postseason game with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. In Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay. Oh, no, in in Washington. Well, for for Tampa Bay, while playing in in Maryland. They play in Maryland. Yep. So, I mean, this game was – Interesting because Tom, he only went 22 of 40. Washington's defense definitely frustrated him, but he was throwing the ball extremely well downfield. I thought he played very well considering the circumstances. He also had a ton of drops from Chris Godwin. And if Godwin doesn't drop as many passes, I mean, we're talking about like 
maybe Tom Brady's second best postseason game of all time outside of Super Bowl 52 against your Eagles, which you guys outscored him, uh, which really overshadowed what really was a great performance from him. I thought he was very good in this game. I mean, 9.5 yards per attempt. That's about as good as you're going to do against a very stout Washington defense. And Washington, they put up a good fight. They, they're a couple pieces away. I mean, when your number two receivers like Cam Sims or Steven Sims, you're not going to win a playoff game. It's just how the NFL works. Uh, McLaurin was pretty dang good. He he was locked up, but, I mean, still six for 75 is pretty good. They, they just have they just need a few more pieces. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is a team with a lot of potential. I think they're set on the defensive side for a long time. They put a lot of draft capital into that defensive line, and they got four studs up there. They got a great head coach in Ron Rivera, who I've loved for years and years, and I think they have – they finally have the right guys to steer the ship. And I think they'll be able to, they just got to find the right quarterback. And I think they should give Heineke an opportunity at it. Uh, I want, yeah, I want to agree um, to, you know, move on. I guess we can move on to the next game here. We'll talk about saints. Uh, sorry. Saints um, bucks hey. in a little bit here. Oh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Saints Bucks. We'll talk about them in just a second here. But uh, the next game I want to talk about, we move to the Sunday slated games. This was what I thought was going to be from a non-biased perspective, my, in my opinion, the most fun game of the postseason. And it wasn't. I was wrong. It was Ravens-Titans. Uh, I thought this would be a high-flying, high-scoring game with a bunch of running. And I was wrong. Uh, one, The other outcome that I thought was possible happened. Uh, it's called... Derek Henry getting taken out of the game, like we've talked about it happening, and it happened again. Uh, it happened again, I and mean, the Titans Derek lost. Henry was not taken out of the game because the Titans were behind. He was taken out of the game because Baltimore just played very well on defense. Well, I didn't say taken out because they were behind. I just said yeah. taken out. We, we, we talked that, about you'd been saying that they're gonna Derek Henry gets taken out when you fall behind. He wasn't taken out because they fell behind. He was struggling because Baltimore played fantastic up front. Yeah, I mean, that still doesn't help your argument of best running back in football. So it's actually worse that it wasn't because they were behind. It's just because he didn't play well. Uh, It's not he didn't play well. It's that the Ravens' D-line was out of this war. You got to give all credit here to the Ravens' defense. And I thought the Titans' defense actually played very well in this game. Lamar just played a little bit better than, uh, than how they did. And it just comes to show you can't build a team around a running back. I'm sorry. That's just not how the NFL works. And that's unfortunately what the Titans did and their offense collapsed because of it. And they unfortunately didn't let Ryan Tannehill do what he needed to do because he didn't play that bad. I mean, he only had 165 passing yards, but he only threw the ball 26 times. So they, they, they didn't give him enough resources to be good enough in this game. I mean, they moved down the field on the opening drive all through the pass. And they said, let's, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. And it's like, come on, what, what are you doing here? You can't try and establish a run if you're not running the ball well. That's just not how it works. Let Tannehill cook. He, he had a great year, and it's unfortunate that Tannehill's season ends because Derrick Henry rushed for 2.2 yards per carry. Yeah, I mean – I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I don't really get this game from the Titans because I find it so crazy that Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball two more times than Lamar Jackson. Uh, 
Tennessee, you, I, I get it's Derrick Henry, and you gotta feed you gotta feed him. He's Derrick Henry. I just rushed for two thousand yards, Derrick Henry. But like once you realize that's not going well, you, you need to rely on Tannehill more. And this game was closed for a while until Lamar broke off that forty yard run. I, I just you know I've obviously been a Tannehill advocate, and uh, I think this kind of proves partly why it's okay to lean into him and they just didn't do it in time for this game. No, And all year, Derrick Henry picked on the terrible rush defenses. I mean, he picked on Jacksonville, he picked on Houston and there were some games where he just was flat out a non-factor. And I said that, and when we talked about the players who we thought were going to flop in the postseason, I said, it was going to be Derrick Henry. You guys were like, what are you talking about? And it's exactly what happened. I, I to said me, it could happen because he gets taken out of the game. I did say that. Okay. Josh, to me, boring. another big flop of this game, though, who was certainly not as big of a disappointment as Derrick Henry because he's not as big of a focal point of the Titans offense, but a guy who needs to perform better for the Titans to win games is Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a catch, only got two targets. He just couldn't get open. It was it's really tough to watch. He's a talented kid, but... He couldn't get the job done, and they need an option other than A.J. Brown on the outside if they're going to win football games. 100%. And and they open up the offense. Not Derrick Henry opens it up for them. I mean, they both open up the offense. Um, I, I, I think A.J. Brown opens the offense up for sure with Ryan Tannehill. That's, I mean, it's literally taking the top off. That's like part of the, the phrase. Is like what they do. Yeah, anyway, also when Derrick Henry's running crazy and you put seven, eight guys in the box, it opens up the passing game. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I, uh, it, it, that logic is why, is probably why they lost here. Anyways, I mean, they, they lost here because Derrick Henry was shut down by the Ravens D line. You could also argue they lost this game because Derrick Henry averaged 2.2 yards per carry. Yeah, and, right. Uh, you can't just shut down by the Ravens D line. Yeah. That's what I just said. Yeah, I, but you you can't you can't just fully say it's oh it's the Ravens D line. I mean it's it's a two way street here. You can't. Uh, I mean the Ravens outplayed it. Yeah, so I mean you, you're just you're just modeling it like you're like protecting your baby Derrick Henry. I mean like he's, no, he's I'm still... saying that the Ravens outplayed Derrick Henry because they had the better performance than him. I know, but yeah, until this point, you were phrasing it the, the way that like you have to protect your your bad take so uh, i don't think so. him saying derrick henry running back in football him saying derrick henry is better than dalvin cook is not a bad take i don't agree with it but it's not a bad take because you go ask 90 percent of nfl fans who's the better running back they're gonna say derrick henry and you're gonna ask him why they're gonna say he ran for more yards okay cool david montgomery no, it's not he ran of, for more yards he's a more physical runner he's harder to tackle that's he, not true it is he, just because he he broke more tackles, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily harder to tackle. That's basically what it means, Josh. I mean, that is for me to get more opportunities to break tackles. It's different. Go but. go watch a full game of Derrick Henry running. And I promise you Dalvin Cook is harder to tackle than that. Derrick Henry gets hit in the backfield and he falls down. All of his big runs, Derek. he just runs through the hole, except for that one against Jacksonville two years ago. That was like the exception. He just runs and he's, he's good enough to where if he hits the hole, he gets his speed going because he's a bigger guy. And that's what happens. I think Dalvin cook is better than Derrick Henry. And I don't want to say, I don't think it's close, but I could easily justify it. 
Yeah, it's it's the argument that uh yeah, this this is a completely Dom's completely right. Derrick Henry, once he's going like full speed after he has, he's had 10 yards of I'm not getting touched land, he's gonna be the hardest running back to tackle with out of doubt. But off the jump, you 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 knock him. I mean, yeah, if you get over. a guy before he starts running, obviously it's not hard. That's, that's to not even what I'm him. saying either. I <laughs> I mean, like I'm saying when he doesn't have a, a giant hole off the left side and he has to like make one guy miss in the trenches, that doesn't usually happen as much versus a guy like Dalvin Cook. Yeah, because it's harder to laterally move like that when you're 250 pounds. Exactly. That's why he's not a more physical runner. He runs guys over. Not not as much as Dalvin Cook does in the trenches. He runs guys over for highlight tapes once he gets a giant hole off the left side. It's it's just a a fact. I, I do have an unfortunate update for all of our listeners here, though. I regret to inform everyone that I have, in fact, watched A.J. Brown get tackled. I know. I oh, that. John Wolford's out. No. That's disappointing. I mean, but that means Blake Bortles will be on the roster for another playoff game. Get Blake a ring. Let's go. I, I hate everything about this podcast now. I think this is my last episode. Dom just ruined it. Uh, a lie that I want Blake Portals to get a ring. Yes. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, the one interesting fact I did want to say that I saw on social media, by the way, is uh, everyone knows that Derek Henry had over 2000 yards rushing. Uh, if you look at the rushing, like the rushing uh, numbers, like your rushing leaders, do you know who number nine is, would be on that list? You want to hear a fun fact? It'd be Derrick Henry against his division, right? Yes. Derrick Henry against his division would be the ninth best rusher in the NFL. That's crazy. With 1,034 yards. Yeah, That's I mean, absurd. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Derrick Henry's bad. That would be a terrible take. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not trying to – I was just trying right. to throw that out. You know, That's nuts. Right. And, I mean, five of those games – because the game where they lost against Indy obviously wasn't a great game for him because that's just how – running backs end up working when you lose you don't play well but i mean the other five games were against houston twice jacksonville twice who was pitiful on defense and then indianapolis that was dealing with COVID issues and divorce buckner an all pro defensive tackle did not play in that game so obviously i'm not going to sit here and say he didn't have a good game because india was still a good defense but they were nowhere close to full strength when he did that so yeah he picked up bad so, rush it, defenses Dom, it's still a thousand rushing yards. Oh yeah, it, it's insane, <laughs> right? But like I said, go watch the tapes of that Jacksonville game in the Houston game. He runs through the hole and he's just gone. Same with all the Christian McCaffrey runs. That's all he does. Ah, uh, no, not going to do McCaffrey just gets the ball in space. It's not him running through a hole. No, Christian go McCaffrey watch the go watch the go watch the run, running back. Yeah, no, he's good out of the backfield catching the ball. That's why he's good. But go watch his big runs. He literally just hits the hole and goes. Now McCaffrey will break more tackles than Henry, but McCaffrey just hits the hole and goes. It's and he's he's way faster than Henry. So like if he hits the hole, he's gone. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyways, we're we're gonna move on. Uh, uh, Ravens. Win a postseason game. Lamar gets his first postseason win. I don't think we touched on that enough because we were talking tight inside. Lamar shut the haters up. It's good to see. It's good to he see. Was, he he was fantastic win. in this game. And I want to jump into it before Josh gets into it because I know Josh is going to say, well, whatever. He went 17 to 24. That's pretty solid. You know, I mean, Tennessee's defense isn't good. We've talked about it. They're physical and they made them earn everything. He was still sacked five times, which 
is something Tennessee didn't do very well. 179 yards, that's 7.5 yards per attempt. That is good by any stretch of the imagination. And then now, of course, that's set up by his legs. 16 carries, 136 yards, including that 40-yard touchdown run, and then another run he ran down the right sideline that was for a long way. No one's going to sit here and tell you Lamar is a great thrower of the football. That's just not true. His legs set up the pass, and he makes the throws, and that is why their offense is so good. And he is so fun to watch. I'm glad that he got he got it off his back. He got the playoff win. I'm going to have to root against him because I love the Bills. Not as much as Josh does, but uh, it's going to be a fun game, especially if it's in the snow. I want to see Lamar run wild in the snow. We'll, we'll get to that later, me talking about Lamar in the snow. But as far as Lamar in this game, he played well. I didn't think he played fantastic. He certainly missed a few throws that he should have had. Specifically, that interception was disgusting. It it was really disgusting. But he played well. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Lamar is not good because that's obviously not great. And he's a good football player. He's probably the best athlete in the history of the NFL to play the quarterback position. However, I just don't think he has the arm talent to have a long-term successful career in the NFL. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think you're wrong on that point. I think he's probably their quarterback for the next five years. And anything after that is a blessing for Baltimore, but for the next five years, they're, they're set. Yeah. The only, the only way I think the only way Lamar doesn't have a starting job to be honest with you guys, and you got, you can debate me all you want is if, uh, is if he gets a, uh, uh, an injury and it slows, it slows down his running part of the game. It's, it's kind of, like you know what, team. Leo, the amount that a guy like Lamar Jackson runs, the kind of body figure that he has, the kind of hard hits you take in the national football league. That's not impossible. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's probably going to happen. That's what I, that's just what I was going to get to is it's probably going to happen. It's just, it's because of how he's running. Yeah, exactly what you said. He, he probably won't last that long because he's probably going to, unfortunately, I don't want to say he is, but it's very probable that he ends up in a scenario like RG3 does. Uh, exactly. And plays. this is what I try to say with Lamar. I feel like I take a lot of criticism for this, but I just don't see a guy of his type having long-term success. Of course, he's having success right now. I'm not going to deny it, but his success is built in a way that can't be sustained long-term and it's fun for now. It's working for now, but who knows how long it's going to work for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on Uh, to the bad games. uh, Hey, you know what? I refuse to let you blast uh, a successful broadcast of a football game by, by a certain channel. So you, you hush up first. All right. Let me just jump in and say it right away before we, you get into all the craziness of how bad the bears are. If Javon wins catches that touchdown, it's a different football game. It is. You're hundred percent right. The bears might've won it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, But yeah, anyways, they alluded to it. That's all I feel like I need to say about this game. Okay. The the next game we're gonna talk about is the uh is the, the Saints Bears game. Bears at Saints. Uh Saints win this game twenty one and nine. Uh a lot of people thought the Saints win this game, but like Josh alluded to, the Bears had a shot to uh to take the lead on a on a dime for Mitchell Trubisky. I just said that out loud. Fantastic um, throw. Fantastic throw. And uh it, it basically rocked the game. And from there the Bears turned to the Bears we thought they'd be. I want to quickly shout out the fact that a, uh, 
Nickelodeon did a great broadcast of an NFL game, and I refuse any slander on that topic. Dom, you can shake your head all you want. And B, <laughs> shout out, son of Ian Eagle, Clippers play-by-play uh, uh, basketball radio uh, host, Noah Eagle, who was fantastic on the he call. He did a great job. Uh, as well. It was great to I see. Mean, like, can I can I jump in, please? I, if you, you better not mock, <laughs> you better not mock the slime can cannon, or I'm gonna be. I'm gonna no, slime cannon was awesome, but I mean, the coloring scheme on the on the scoreboard ticker was terrible. The <laughs> the the announce the announcers were so cringy. Eagle did a great job, especially considering that he's 24. I mean, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But my God, I mean, I turned the game back on to CBS and I'm like, why was I, why was I on Nickelodeon? It was, Dom, it, was it was great for the NFL. Listen, it was great for the NFL. Great idea. It worked, but the football fan in me, it drove me crazy. The listen, slime cannon, the slime cannon was awesome, but I was promised googly eyes on players. And I really only got that like going to commercial and like coming back from commercials. And I, 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 it wasn't the same. Obviously, I was not the targeted demographic on it. Now, I mean, of course. Yeah, that's what I was. I, that's what I was going to say. That's, now. that's what I was going to get to with the Nickelodeon broadcast. I right. thought it was fantastic for the targeted audience. We're not the targeted audience. We didn't enjoy it. That's. Right. But it's I enjoyed it. I don't well, care. That's because you have the maturity of a six-year-old. But <laughs> at times, I do. You're right. Yeah, I do. But I mean, I don't know. I thought it, it, was, it was fantastic for the target audience. I'm glad they did it. I hope they do it again. Please do it again. I, I'll, I'll watch it again. Uh, I wouldn't watch it again if they did it because I prefer the traditional broadcast. But I thought I it was great for broadcast. its targeted audience. I get enough traditional broadcasts. Uh, I was yeah. I was going to do a punchline here. Uh, you alluded to it already. I was going to be like, "Well, Dom, you know the color scheme isn't meant for you." And I hate to tell you this, Dom, but you're old. Someone's not. Uh, someone's not put, making a television show for you anymore. Okay. I was like, "You're you're old. You can't. This isn't for yes. you anymore." Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, it was silly for me, guys. I, I, the maturity joke is funny, uh, but I I enjoyed it. I, I I I especially liked that they were trying their best to, albeit in cringy ways, confer an adult, teach kids football on the broadcast. I've never seen that done before, and I think that was really really cool. And I think in a time where a lot of these sports are losing the young kid demographic because you've got esports and gaming such a big thing in this this decade. To te- yeah. All right. Dom's banned from the podcast. You won't see him next episode. Uh, anyways, uh, to teach them just like a traditional sport uh, and just opens kids up. I can't wait to see, hear about kids, hopefully when I'm older, that say, I watched the Nickelodeon NFL playoff game and that's how I became a sports fan. So and you know what I, there are, I'm convinced that there will be some people who were introduced to the game and fell in love with the game from that broadcast. And if that's tr- the truth, then the NFL did a great job. Yeah. There were 2 million viewers on the Nickelodeon broadcast. Now, of course there were people like us who were on that broadcast because we wanted to see what it looked like, but <laughs> That, that's a significant amount. And that was the most watched wildcard game weekend in quite some time. Unfortunately, the kids got to watch Bears football, which is quite <laughs> disgraceful. Yeah. Hey. And I mean, Josh, you said you said the Bears, it's a different game if Wims catches that ball. And you're 100% correct on that. But they never reached the end zone until that guard, the, the, the last play of the game outside of that play. And they only did it on that first time around on a trick play. 
if you have to use trick plays to, you know, beat a team like the Saints, whose quarterback is like 43 and can barely move and can honestly barely throw the football when he's out of rhythm, <laughs> you're not a good team. And the Bears are a dumpster fire. I don't know oh, what they're trying to do. I'm not trying, trying to, to tell you the Bears are great. Right. Right. I, I'm just, this is just what I'm saying about this game and what it showed me. It, it confirmed everything I knew. And it, it was a, it was a bad game. Nagy's a bad play caller. Uh, Brian Pace is a coach. bad, right. Yes. Bad, yes. bad coach. Pace is a bad GM. Trubisky's a bad quarterback. Their team. Yeah. Is- I, I, I wasn't too upset with the way Mitch played. I thought he was fine. Yeah. I thought he was given a lot of bad play calls. Oh yeah. He was, a, he's set up to fail. There's no denying that. I think Mitch needs a new opportunity somewhere else. And I think it can be similar to a Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee situation. I think I Mitch could go somewhere else and play much better. And I'm not going to say he's going to be a top 10 quarterback somewhere because that's exceeding it. But I think he can be a consistent, reliable starter for a team somewhere else. I completely agree, uh, Josh. <laughs> and I, Dominic Stern, do not appreciate you slandering my N. VP, my Nickelodeon most valuable, my Nickelodeon valuable player. Okay. America picked him for a reason, Dom. You leave him alone. <laughs> we picked him for a meme. And it's hilarious because they put that on his pro football reference page, too. Let's go. Like, how insulting must that be? You just got your ass kicked in a playoff game. And Nick, some, yeah, some kid it's from Nickelodeon's like, you're the MVP. Like, what? <laughs> how did how did Nickelodeon let the fans get away with this? Do you think Mickey even keeps the trophy? Yeah, yeah. He probably shows it to his. Does he have kids? Maybe. No, he's like twenty five. What? He's not twenty five. Let me tell you that. Uh, Maybe he shows his kids. Twenty six old. I would keep it still. He doesn't have kids, man. No, no, he doesn't. Let's look at his pro football reference page. If, if, if he uh, does, if he has kids, they're literally like a year old. Or two. Yeah, he does not have any children. He was uh, 26 years old. He's 26. Yeah, okay. I apologize. But it does have the 2021 MVP award. That That's so insulting. My gosh. It's great. It's great. Oh, it's hysterical. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, but uh, yeah, I hope to see, hopefully, you know, I think this should be something they do again next year. Hopefully they do. We'll see. It's they 100% well. Yeah. But uh, anyways, the game besides that, besides all the Nickelodeon talk, was lackluster. Uh, it is unfortunate that Nick had to do this game. It was lackluster. Uh, the Saints move on. Uh, the Bears do exactly what the Bear, we thought the Bears would do in the postseason outside of the one bomb from Mitch that got dropped. And, yeah, there's not much more to say here. We can move on to the, the final game, uh, which is, you know, whew, wow. Cleveland! Yeah. This is awesome. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have not only made it the postseason, they have won a playoff game. They beat the faltering Steelers uh, 48 to 37, and uh, it wasn't close. I mean, it was close at one point, kind of. You can argue momentum shifted, but but uh, listen, guys, I'm just going to break it to all you listeners who don't know. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, it was 28-0 Browns. Uh, and uh, my God, uh, turnovers galore, failed snap to start the game, turns into a touchdown. And uh, yes, yes, Josh in the back. Um, I have a question for you, Leo. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, what's up? He's is Baker fine. Mayfield the good quarterback yet? He's already Baker. backed off that stance. Yes. Good. I just want to make sure. Now, Baker- listen, here, here's what I'll say about this game. Baker has been put in an incredible situation to succeed, and I knew he was going to succeed this year. And it just shows you that Juan Freddy Kitchens oh, was, an, was an idiot. 
Well, I mean, I, I said they were going to be in the playoffs this year. I got a lot of heat for that. Not 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 from you guys, but just from friends. And I, they, this this team was built basically to perfection. They they need a little bit better of a defense, hundred percent. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Chiefs. I mean, they allowed thirty seven points to a team that ran the ball for fifty two yards. Big Ben got five hundred pass yards. I mean, he threw the ball sixty eight times, Jesus. which is incredible. Um, Jesus, yeah, he threw four picks, right? One of them hit the hands of Deontay Johnson, though, which is hey, Josh, that's, that's a one to one TDIT ratio. All right. You don't slander it. I'm just kidding. He threw four. Uh, but I mean, so listen, I got my introduction this year to Padres postseason baseball. And my introduction to it was a full run first inning from the opposition. Browns fans got their introduction to postseason football with a 28 to nothing first quarter. I mean, how incredible must that be? And it was funny because, like, there were polls out there, like, you know, how comfortable are you? And then every single one of them said, we're not comfortable. Like, you know, you knew it was going to happen. And Pittsburgh made it interesting in the end. And they punted the ball on fourth and one. I don't know what Mike Tomlin was thinking. Right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that fourth and one punt because that might be the yes. dumbest punt I've ever seen in my life. Disgusting. It was really I, I, I truly believe not just from that offense – but from various amount of things throughout the past few years, there is a seat in Mike Tomlin's office getting a little hot now. That seat is a little bit warm, should be getting a lot warmer as time goes on. I don't see Mike Tomlin with the Steelers much longer. I think he's really, really lost it the last few years. I don't think Mike Tomlin is really a great coach anymore. I think it's time for them to move on. And I think there have been a lot of problems within the last few years. It's time when Ben leaves now, let Tomlin walk, build around this defense, hire another good head coach. Time to be done with Mike Tomlin. Uh, I don't know if I'd I'd go that far. Uh, My my Padres lamp is lit yellow in honor of the Steelers. But why would you you honor the Steelers? They lost and it was poetic. But Mike Tomlin has proven several times that himself in game situations, he's not the greatest coach. And I think no one's going to really disagree with that. However, what he does off the field to get his team prepared every single year and his teams are so consistent. I don't think that can be overstated. I don't think they should move on from Tomlin. I think he's one of the least issues of their problems. It's been pretty much proven that, it wasn't him mishandling the Le'Veon Bell and the Antonio Brown situation. It was those guys are psychopaths. And yep. Now, as much as I don't like either guy, they're making it work in their new okay. spots. Okay. Le'Veon Bell is just along for the ride and Antonio Brown needed a full blown mental breakdown on yeah, an HBO Brown show. We know, we all know how I feel about him, but I think you look at the Juju situation, you look at, some of the things Chase Claypool's out there saying on the internet that Claypool's fine. Claypool's not an issue. What what Claypool said about them getting clapped. I mean, he's probably right. And who cares? Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be saying that, but that's not a problem. There's seasons over. What do you you want him to do? Part of that is a head coach keeping his players in check. And I don't think Tomlin's doing that anymore. Josh, they're their own. They're full grown adult men who are now not, 
having to report to the building anymore. He doesn't need to keep them in check that far. Specifically more Juju than Claypool. Okay, that's right, fair. Right. Juju was not I, held in check well this year. No. And I don't think and Juju's now, I don't think he's going to be a stealer next year because he's a free agent. They've proven year after year they don't need to sign him. They, they'll draft wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, they drafted Claypool in the second. I, I don't even know where they drafted Johnson, but he's been a stud for them except for that three-game stretch where he uh, he got a case of the yips with his hands. Uh, so I, I agree with you. Juju's kind of become a bit of a problem for them. I'm, I'm less of a proponent. Like, I know where you stand on that, and that's obviously – your opinion. You're, I don't think you're wrong, but they, they, they do need to move on from him. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to make a quarterback very happy because he's a very great wide receiver. Yeah, but for now, Juju Smith-Schuster can drive his Corvette Corvette to Cabo and go watch TikTok because he's out of the postseason. Uh, of course. Uh, and obviously, Mike Tomlin is not getting fired right now. He's been the head right. coach of that team for over a decade. It's not happening this offseason, but I think that's something to keep an eye on next year. I think that seat is getting a little bit warmer than it has been in his last decade or so. And I mean, you look at what he's done in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He won a super bowl, but he's had some fantastic teams out in Pittsburgh and only won one super bowl. You could say the same thing about Russell Wilson. You know that, right? I know. And that's why I'm saying they need to move off of Pete Carroll as well. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know. I, I guess I like Mike Tomlin a lot more. He's, I, he's, I, I get that he's straightforward. He, he, do, he lets them do their own thing, which has bit him in the butt a couple of times without a doubt. But you know, when it comes down to brass tacks, he gets the guys focused for games and uh, gets his team to the postseason a lot. Uh, but yeah, Steelers fans, how, how I just, I, I don't really like Steelers fans that much. They're kind of cocky. And I just love that they got beat by Brown. The Browns, it's just great. It's just really great to see, honestly. Um, but yeah, Browns. Uh, Browns have a postseason ticket too. Uh, I mean, do we want to do? We could throw out player the player of the wild card week, wild card weekend. Do we want to do that? Uh, Aaron Josh, Donald. do you have a? Aaron Donald. Uh, thanks. Thank you, bias Dom. Um, I mean, Josh, you, yeah. would you like to throw your bias? <laughs> Yeah, so did uh, what's his nuts? Someone, someone for the Titans had two sacks too. I mean, um, okay, we'll throw out Daryl Williams just for jumping on that fumble, completely saved the game there. Daryl Williams, okay, well, thousands and thousands of Buffalo Bills fans from heart attacks, saving lives, recovering the football. Daryl Williams. Okay, well, I guess I'm the only one that's going to throw a non-biased. Uh, I mean, Aaron Donald had two sacks and a half. I don't know what you want me to do. Not, you know, it's okay, Dom. It's okay. We're all we're all allowed to. We're all allowed to. Also, the teams so that lost to the Jets weren't two zero this week. So, ha. Huh. That's true. That is true. I can't believe you just brought up the fact that the Rams lost to the Jets on the podcast when I was even thinking about it. Thank you, Dom. I've fully gotten in your head. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you guys hear my reaction when you say it. Like, it's it's obvious. You want me to deny that? <laughs> uh, uh, I I guess you know I would say, I I I guess I'd say player of the week would be something along the lines of, I mean, you had guys like Juju at 157 yards, uh, on 10 receptions. I mean, that's pretty good. I I, I mean, that's, well, that's pretty good. I mean, he lost the game. There there weren't that many like. Uh, for wildcard weekend, there weren't any players to get 10 catches for 157 yards when your quarterback throws the ball 68 times when you're down 28 in the first quarter. And you're I facing mean, a banged up secondary. So 13 receptions for 157 yards. 
Uh, sorry, yeah, we, we had to cut off the pod while I scrambled to find an actual player of the week that wasn't unbiased. I mean, I guess I'll just throw out. Uh, I'll throw I'll throw Baker Mayfield out. I mean, there wasn't anyone there wasn't anyone this week that had a crazy stat line that is warranted of a super player of the week compared to like your NFL season. But Baker Mayfield going 21, 34, two, 263, three, three touchdowns, zero touchdowns. Leo, that's the player of the week. I want to thank you for this moment right now. After all the slander you've given Baker Mayfield and all the times I've said you're wrong to see you come back to the good side here and take Baker Mayfield as your player of the week in wild card weekend. I'm very proud of you. I think this is the best job I've done on this podcast to convince you that Baker Mayfield is a great quarterback. Uh, I don't think he's a great quarterback. <laughs> I think he's a good quarterback in a great situation. Uh, so you haven't convinced me of greatness, but um, listen, I'm unbiased and I know when I'm wrong and I don't go dying with the ship when I'm wrong. He, I was wrong. He's better than I thought he was. And he deserves player of the week in this super wild card weekend. So yeah, I will give it I, to him. I'm glad none of you guys said DK. Thank you. Oh my. <laughs> he got clamped again. Yeah. And he got upset and went wham through his helmet down the side. Oh, it was awesome. I, I was, I was loving it. And I, I like DK. He's great. He's a great player. But when you're facing my team, all bets are off. There you go. All right. Well, anyways, uh, we're going to take a time to get them away from the playoffs here for a second here. We're going to talk about some of the coaching carousel stuff because, you know, uh, like baseball ramping up, that's ramping up as well. So we can probably talk about it every week. Um, I guess I'll just go right off the bat, right off the, the cuff here and get rid of the biggest, one of the biggest stories is uh, Doug Peterson is not the Eagles head coach anymore. He was fired. Um, and, you know, it's, it's bittersweet because I think he's a good head coach. He's, I, I hope he succeeds where he goes. I don't like that he got fired, but at the same time, I think the reason why we're going to see Carson Wentz back in the midnight green is because Carson Wentz is not going to have Doug as his head coach. And I think that's why he might come back. And I, like I said, uh, if he wasn't, it was going to be one of the biggest mistakes of the franchise. And uh, I said that on this podcast, so now the Eagles joined the, the list of people who need a head coach. Um, I know they interviewed, they've already interviewed Joe Brady. Uh, the interview, they plan to interview the Titans OC. I forget his name off the top of my head right now. Arthur Smith. Smith. There you go. There you go. And then um, they're also having an interview set up today. I think it might have already gone down or is going down now with Sala right now. It was uh, earlier. Flew out to they haven't earlier. spoken to Dable yet, have they? No, they have not spoken to Dable because he's, I think, you know, Prepping. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, there's been talks that uh, they also reached out to Lincoln Riley, which I think is awesome to see. Uh, there's not really anything where they, I think they could go wrong from the Eagles standpoint with the coaching, coaching hire. I get the idea of, oh, familiarity hire Deuce Staley, but uh, I don't think Deuce, I don't like Deuce Staley. I, I don't think he does anything special. I think, I think hiring a head coach on the basis of familiarity is not a good way to go about things with head coach. So I, he would be the only one I'm upset with so far out of all the candidates I've seen. Uh, but here's what I have to say about the Eagles position. Obviously, I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan here. I think Carson has a lot of talent, and I think he can be a franchise quarterback still. I think there's a lot of coaches out there who can really help Carson Wentz, and one of them is Lincoln Riley. However, Lincoln Riley's been given a lot of offers throughout the years, and he's turned a lot of them down. I think if he ends up taking this Eagles job, 
the reason he is taking it because the Eagles job isn't special. It's not a great job compared to all these other jobs as we're seeing in Jacksonville, which is now likely off the board with Urban Meyer, along with potentially Houston, Los Angeles, where you're getting a franchise quarterback for sure. But Philly's not really that fantastic landing spot. I still think it's a good landing spot. But if a guy like Lincoln Riley is choosing to leave a blue blood program like Oklahoma to take this job, he's choosing this job specifically because he wants to go work with Jalen Hurts. I can see how that's the argument, but I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I, I see where you're coming from, though. Well, let me, let me state this. Lincoln Riley is not going to leave Oklahoma, especially to go coach the Philadelphia Eagles who don't have any salary cap or coming off a four one season. And in my opinion, won't be good for the next two years. I just don't see how that would make any sense for Lincoln Riley to live a great situation in Oklahoma where he's came into a successful program and has made it even better. I just don't see him leaving it for the Eagles. That's fine. Uh, I agree. I, I don't see him taking any job this year. I think he wants to stay at Oklahoma and work with Rattler because I think he thinks he has a good shot at a national title, which I happen to agree with. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see if some team like, I don't know, the Panthers or the Bears suck again next year, all of a sudden have that first overall pick and Rattler's looking really good. He won the national championship and he's saying, hey, you know, I could go continue to coach Rattler, the guy who exactly. They, the first I, quarterback that he really recruited because, I mean, Baker was already there, transferred in Kyler Murray, transferred in Jalen Hurts. He recruited Rattler. So that that would be something more likely, in my opinion. But the Eagles job, yeah, going back to the Eagles job, I don't think this uh, is necessarily like the most attractive job, but there's definitely some pieces around it that make it attractive. I mean, you do have quarterbacks who have basically I'm higher on Jalen Hurts than I think both of you two are and then I think that I don't uh, think Jalen's bad I just think yeah like I said I just think fantastic yeah and uh and then uh Carson Wentz you know he's he was going to be an MVP and then you know he obviously got hurt and he hasn't been the same since and like Leo mentioned I, I messed up on the last podcast a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football. And if you can draft some offensive players and not mess up like how he has recently, you, you could, you could have something cooking in Philly again. I will also say, I uh, obviously what, first thing I want to do is um, I think it's disgraceful how the Eagles let Doug go. Uh, you, you don't leak his coaching suggestions and then boot him out like that. That's, disgusting and then two uh there was a report that came out that said something along the lines of the doug had his had a lot more control of the draft room and it might not be true but uh a case of when doug might have messed things up is when uh the draft room actually wanted to take justin jefferson and how he wanted to take justin jefferson but was swayed by doug to take jalen rager uh so i mean like you know, obviously a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter, Eagles fans, everyone had their own opinion on it. A lot of the two cents opinions was this was the wrong firing. You should have fired Howie. Um, if this stuff is true, I, I want to see how he does in this draft because oh my, because he has the ab- ability to take three player, four players here at six that are going to have immediate impact. Great pick. And if he somehow screws six up, then I'm Which receiver do you like the most? 
What? I still, I still like Jamar Chase more. Uh, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I understand it. I'm not going to bag Devonta. All right. He's crazy. I, I, I like Waddle. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think, I don't think they would consider taking Waddle at six. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Devonta, I, I'm not going to bag him. He's a Heisman winner. He went crazy in the national title game. But when you get down to brass tacks, he's a six one receiver who's 175. All right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that's going to translate to NFL. And Jamar Chase is just all worldly. Waddle's pretty all worldly, too. Uh, but even past those guys, if you don't take a receiver here, Parsons is a great pick for linebacker and a hole we need. Especially out of Penn State. I like out that. of Penn State. Yeah. And then the, you know, I, I always blank on his name, the Alabama cornerback Smith. Smith, right? Or 13. 13. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also be a, uh, yeah. All these he's, would be fine picks. He's better than Okuda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see a lot of talent falling down to six as well. I think these quarterbacks are going to come flying off the board. Yeah. So I think you I know, wouldn't be surprised to see three in the top five. Yeah. So I think Howie has a chance to get a very good talent here. I think that, you know, and then I, I want it to be Chase because I, for the first time, want the Eagles to fully say, Wentz, here you go, and take him and be like, here's your number one. But I understand if they want to go defensive. Anyways. That's why I think it's fine that, you know, they fired Doug. They, if Howie has a chance to redeem himself show, it's his draft board, I guess, since Doug was saying things before. And uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of coaching hires that go wrong here for the Eagles. Before we move off this Eagles point, I want to ask you a question. What are your thoughts on potentially trading six? I know the Eagles have a lot of cap situations that aren't ideal, and you do have some needs to fill. Maybe moving back to six, getting 13 and a second round pick can still get a good receiver over there and get another guy in the second round to fill a spot. Is that something you'd want to see happen or you want to pick at six? I'm torn because, you know, that point is the smart, you know, that's a smart argument. It's the smart football argument, but there's always this part of me that just wants the flashy Jamar chase pick at six. Like I just want to take a flashy pick for once, but I wouldn't be mad if they traded down into the teens and got a draft capital pick. Cause I think you go down into the early teens, you're still going to get one of those top three receivers. Yeah, you probably have a waddle land there. And, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that either. Um, but, yeah, I, there's a lot of things they can do. It, there's very little room for Howie to screw this up. Uh, I couldn't imagine an Eagles fan being upset. Well, uh, Eagles fans are crazy, some of them. I know they like yes. to be out there sometimes. But I couldn't imagine an intelligent Eagles fan being upset, moving back to 12-13, getting some extra draft capital, and still ending up with a top three receiver. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, that's fine. Uh, some other things I want to update since we're coming off the Eagles thing. There's nothing set in stone for this Eagles stuff. I just want to say everyone that I've seen them, I've seen that they're saying they're talking to. Um, Josh, you want to talk about Jacksonville real quick? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting spot to talk about right now. Obviously, a few weeks ago, we did our head coaching carousel discussion, and I said that I think Urban Meyer is the perfect fit for the Los Angeles Chargers if he chooses to come out of retirement. And he is choosing to come out of retirement but it's not going to be for the Los Angeles chargers. He's going to choose the unproven quarterback at the NFL level in Trevor Lawrence and go coach the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it's an interesting choice by urban. I don't necessarily disagree with it. I think to eke his own, if he thinks he can do better with Trevor Lawrence, then by all means go to Trevor. I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm more of a Justin Herbert fan myself, but I think he's got a nice situation there in Jacksonville. They got a lot of money to spend this off season. Of course they have Trevor Lawrence as well. 
desirable destination for people to want to go play with this quote unquote prodigy kidding Trevor Lawrence. I think it's an interesting spot for him. I think Urban Meyer is a nice face that we know is kind of a more obviously isn't coached at the NFL level. So he's not really a proven commodity, but he's more of a proven commodity than Trevor at the NFL level, I would say. So I think it's going to be nice to attract some free agents to go play for Urban Meyer. I'm not sure if there's any of his former players hitting the free agent market this off season, but that's something I'd be really interested to go ahead and look at, see who's available at positions of need for them, who he has a strong relationship with, and that would be a perfect pairing in Jacksonville. So we'll see as that goes on, but I think it is a good hire for the Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but I know I've definitely said it with some friends and possibly even on my other show. Jacksonville is a hundred percent a candidate to, to go from worst to first next year. They get Lawrence. They're going to bring in a head coach. That's competent. Unlike Marone, uh, bring in Meyer. Like you said, they have other first round draft picks. I forget where the other one comes from, but I know they also have the Rams first rounder this year and they have a ton of cap space. So if this team has a good off season, the Titans, they're probably going to get worse this off season. The Colts, we know they're going to get worse this offseason, especially at the quarterback position, depending on what, what route they go. I mean, Phillip Rivers had a very solid year. And then you obviously look at Houston, and they're a complete dumpster fire outside of the quarterback position. And even there, we don't know if Deshaun could be suiting up for Houston next year. I think this team could win the division next year if they make the right moves. Yeah, and I, don't forget I Jim Robinson. say that they will without knowing who the starting quarterback for the Colts will be. But if I think they strike out at the quarterback position, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not as high on Trevor as a lot of people are. I think Trevor's a good prospect. I don't think he's the best prospect we've seen in 30 years. I would have rather had Andrew Luck personally. But I think Trevor is a great prospect. And it's just a lot to ask a kid to go from 1-15 to win the division in his rookie season. But we'll see how it turns out. If they put a lot of pieces around him, they certainly could. I want to see what the Colts do first. Though. Definitely, definitely fair enough. Uh, Dom, I, I already alluded to it, but I, I, if you want to, I feel like someone should break down the Watson stuff. If you did, if you, before we move on to divisional stuff, do you want to break it down a little bit more? I mean, it's, it's going to be a little interesting for sure. And cryptic. Yeah, sure. So Deshaun Watson, they, uh, they basically not made him like a priority. They told him that he would have a say in the head coaching hire and then they really didn't in Jack Easterby, who was basically serving as well, their GM. Yeah, they, they said they, that the main thing is they were going to give him saying the GM hire and they went behind his back with the GM because they haven't done yeah. the head coach yet. Right. Yeah, but they were going to have him help in the process and they really haven't. Both processes, yeah. And it, it's been bad. And then you saw Andre Johnson, who left the, who left the team this offseason. I'm going to interrupt this, this. Dom. We got an official announcement that Patrick Sertan, Christian Barmore, Jalen Waddle, and Mac Jones have all officially declared for the 2021 NFL draft. Good for them. Uh, those guys are all going to be studs in the league. And right. And the, the, the situation in Houston's a dumpster fire. He's basically made it sound like he wants to leave. He hasn't made it official yet. And I mean, Houston, obviously holds all the leverage in the situation and they can get so much for Deshaun Watson. We've all said top five quarterback right now, and he's going to be for a very long time. He's young. He's been set up to fail and he's basically succeeded 
except for the fact that he hasn't gotten into an AFC championship yet, but the roster has been nowhere near worthy of getting there. So you can't fault him for that. It's a weird spot because they definitely have a very promising head coaching hire because you can work with Deshaun Watson, but they don't have cap space. They don't have their first round draft pick because that's for Miami. It's just not a great spot to be right now outside of Deshaun Watson, and he might not be there. Well, my biggest fear is that they're going to get their first round draft pick back when they trade Deshaun Watson to the team that has their first round pick in Miami. That could happen. That could happen. I think it's a perfect fit. They need it. I think two was good, obviously, but I've said that plenty of times, but he's obviously known Sean Watson. If you can go get him, you do it. I'd be terrified of the Miami Dolphins if they get to Sean Watson. Without a doubt. Absolutely. I'd pick pick them to win the Super Bowl. I need to see what a couple other teams do with the quarterback position, including the Colts and Niners, but yeah. Wouldn't be a bad pick. No. Listen, this is I I, you know, I'm gonna wrap it around to this, but uh I'm sorry, Houston sports fans, but this is what you get for the uh the World Series. Your city's cursed now, and this is coming to a head. You you just lost James Harden. Uh and uh I know we don't talk about football, baseball, basketball. Like Five pounds in three months, it's fine. It's okay. He's he, he, I mean he's still one still got a big belly. Yes, but that's like the most moot point of all time about that. Uh, you know, you you lost Harden when he was being a big baby because he and he's gone now. And to be fair, the Rockets look fine. I'm not gonna get into that, but you know, like big picture, you lost Harden, and now you got this Watson stuff. Your teams are crumbling. It's the curse. I hate to say it. It's the curse. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, that uh, there's not much else going up on the coaching. Uh, hires a lot of people are setting up interviews. Had a couple of preliminary interviews. No one's really been hired except the Jacksonville stuff. Uh, what I will say while we're on this topic, though, we didn't quite get to it when we were talking about the Eagles. Flip side of Doug Peterson, I think he will end up being the head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, so recently, it sounds like he might be taking a break from football for a year. So probably not a bad idea. So yeah, he it's either that or probably the Jets because Joe Douglas is over there. Um, I but yeah, hope he goes to the Jets because we all know my thoughts on Doug Peterson. I think it would be a terrible situation in there if they hire him, and I think it would just be nice to watch the world burn a little bit. But we'll see. Yeah, we will. We will have to see. Um, moving on, let's jump into our last stuff. We're going to talk about the divisional games. We you know we have four games. Uh, for for slated for this weekend, uh, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. We'll jump into the first game here. Uh, the first game is going to be that Rams-Packers game, the Battle of the Cal quarterbacks, as uh, Dom broke to us since Wolford will not be playing. It will be the Battle of the, the Cal quarterbacks. Uh, so, I mean, here we go. I This is the Packers in the postseason. The Packers looking like one of the most complete teams they have since they won the Super Bowl last time with A-Rod. Uh, you can't argue they don't look like a mo- most, one of the most complete teams because their defense actually has pieces for once. Um, and it's a Rams team who coming hot off of, you know, proving doubters wrong, winning that wild card game in Seattle. They now got to go to Lambeau. Jared Goss playing with a broken thumb. The defense is all worldly. Aaron Donald will play, or as Sean McVay coined him, Terminator will play. Um, I'm curious what you guys are thinking of this game. Josh, I'm going to go to you first. Dom has to go last because it's his team, and, 
and we uphold the rules here on split the same. So, uh, the, uh, Josh, I'm curious what you're thinking with this game. What, what do you? Well, we'll get to it with all these games, but I think we all made it clear last week that the top three teams in the league are the Packers, Bills, and Chiefs. And I think we're looking at this divisional round, and it's beautiful that I think all three teams grew pretty difficult matchup in terms of strengths and weaknesses. I think it's a very, very interesting matchup for all three of those teams. This is a, if there's any defense in the national football league that can slow down Aaron Rodgers, it's this Rams defense. I mean, Aaron Donald could produce some pressure up the middle and screw up Aaron Rodgers a little bit. He loves throwing to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams could get clamped up by Jalen Ramsey. This is a really interesting matchup to me. I think I'm still going to expect the Packers to come out on top because they got the MVP and Aaron Rodgers. He's slinging it differently this year. I don't see the Rams standing in their way with Jared Goff at the helm because we all know how I feel about Goff. But I think this is a really interesting matchup. I think this is going to be a slightly tight game. I think it's going to be fairly interesting down the stretch, but I am fairly confident in the Packers in this one. I think Rodgers gets it done. He's going to need some help on the outside other than Devontae Adams, maybe from an Alan Lazard, maybe Marquez Valdez. Scantling's going to need to do well. We know he loves Robert Conyon in the red zone. MVS MVS is not going to do anything this game. I agree, but he's going to need him to do something. They're going to need a lot of production from Aaron Jones as well, both running and catching the ball. I think he'll be a really, really big part of this game plan. I like Aaron Jones to have a big day. I like Aaron Rodgers to have a big day. I think Devontae Adams is going to be silenced a little bit by Ramsey. He's been playing out of his mind, obviously. But I am going to take the Packers here. I think it's going to be fairly close. Yeah. um, To get to my point here, listen, uh, I – have been a proponent with Dom of the Rams a lot this season. I know I uh, dogged on them when it would look like Wolford would be playing. And, uh, you know, I ranked, I ranked them low and I picked against them that game. And, you know, my point still stands, you know, I, I, I backed them with Goff and Goff came into the game and won that game. So my point still stands about the Rams, but uh, regardless of how I feel about the Rams, uh, I, I do like this matchup. Um, but, at the end of the day, I'm not going to repeat a lot of Josh's points. At the end of the day, quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, who are born and molded in greatness, will find ways to win football games like this one at home, despite the defense. And I'm going to pick the Packers because it's Aaron Rodgers and he's a bad man. And I think I, I know that's a simplistic way to put it, but mainly because Josh covered the points that I, I would have covered too. But I'm going to back my pick for the NFC in the Super Bowl here to win this game still. Uh, I'm going to let Dom tell us why he may pick the Rams. I do want to jump in and say that now that my Seahawks are eliminated from winning the NFC, I'm going to go in on the Packers. They're going to come out of the NFC side and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Okay, there you go. I I don't know how you can say they're my Seahawks. You're a Bills fan, Josh. Uh... I was picking the Seahawks all year. I'm saying my Seahawks pick. Okay, sure. Okay, I can get along with that. I'll, I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm going to pick the Packers to win this game. I mean, they're just better overall team, especially considering the quarterback. I mean, I talk about uh, the quarterback, the difference between Russell Wilson and Jared Goff. I mean, you look here. This is the MVP of the NFL. Top five greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, Russell Wilson's not anywhere close to the top five. Sorry. Top five greatest quarterbacks of all time? Yeah, Rodgers. No. 
100%. No. Brady, best no order, Brady, Manning, Marino, Montana, probably Elway, maybe Unitas over Rodgers. I, I disagree. That's another discussion. Anyways, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he – he doesn't have Bakhtiari. He's going to have Veldier because Veldier, he got signed to the practice squad and is going to get promoted because that was a rule that you could do with COVID-19 this year, which is really unfortunate for the Rams because that would have given them a significant advantage. But, I mean, Bakhtiari being injured is obviously not a good thing for the Packers. And so, I mean, this this helps them get as close as possible to where they would have been with Bakhtiari. Uh, the Rams are certainly a bad matchup for the Packers because the Rams defense can certainly frustrate Aaron Rodgers, make him make throws that he doesn't want to do. And the Packers are seven and one at home this year. And their one loss at home was to the Minnesota Vikings. And to me, I think the Rams have the potential to do exactly what the Vikings did to the Packers in that game. Feed your running back, let him go to work. Don't turn the ball over on offense and just hold the Packers enough because uh, Dalvin Cook scored four touchdowns that game. That was the game where everyone started to like, you know, realize, Hey, Dalvin Cook is like one of the best running backs in the league. And we all know the green Bay rush defense is terrible. There's no other way around it. They, they've had a few good games, like that game against Tennessee where they locked down Derrick Henry, but it's a snow game. It's going to be cold. I, I don't see a way the Rams go into Lambeau and win this game but it's definitely possible. And I, you know, Vegas has them at six and a half. So I I'd say that's a pretty fair spread. I think the Rams could have the ball down six with a minute and a half left and then, you know, get past midfield and then not win this game. I think that's what ends up happening. Okay. Well, we have a full Packer backing from split the seam, including from the Rams fan who, in fact, yeah. speaking of the Rams, don't forget they lost the jets. Just want to throw that out there. Thank you. And uh, thank thank gosh this game is the Saturday afternoon game, so it won't be as cold for Jared Goff. Because, I mean, one, he's from California. We all remember how he played against the Bears when it was in the 20s that game, going up against that elite defense. I, I mean, that Bears team and this Packers team are certainly different teams. But the fact that Jared Goff also has a broken thumb doesn't help. So the, the Rams got a fortunate draw with the timing of this game. Yeah, that's definitely something to point out. Uh, moving on to the next game here, we have Speaking Josh. Moving on to the next game. Being in the cold, <laughs> yeah, moving on to the next game. We're staying cold here in upstate New York. It's uh, Josh's team. Josh will be going last. Uh, it's the, you know, the Ravens off their win over the Titans. Going up to Buffalo, who are hot off their win in Indiana. Um, or not in Indiana, against the Colts, sorry. Uh, so this game is... You know, this game is – it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go quickly here first. Buffalo's Buffalo's going to punch their ticket to the AFC Championship game here for me. Um, listen, I got flack for putting – I got flack for putting the Ravens at nine in my power rankings, and when I did, I said, you know how to beat them. I'm not putting them high up. And I did also say they're going to win their first game, but I'm not going to have them move past past that. Um and this is this is this is where my points, you know, become truth. Buffalo's too well of a coach team. They're gonna find a way to shut down Lamar when he tries to run the ball. I know he's doing better passing, and I I think Buffalo's offense is 
good enough to get the job done when the defense shuts down Lamar. You have the formula to beat this Ravens team. That's why they don't have a lot of postseason wins. And I think Buffalo takes advantage of that and wins it. That's it's, it's, it's simple. That's all. That's all I've got to say on it. Buffalo, Buffalo will be heading somewhere else, but they'll be playing in the AFC championship game for me. Uh, Dom. I'm also going to take Buffalo. I think this is a really bad matchup for them though, because we know that they can't really run the football. It's going to be a game in the snow. I'm not necessarily worried for Josh Allen, but I am worried that since Buffalo can't really run the ball and they're also missing Zach Moss, who has been better than Devin Singletary this year, yes. they're going to really struggle in it. The game's going to be all on Josh Allen's back. I think Allen's good enough to do that, uh, which is amazing because, I mean, I've said several times in the past year, I don't know if Josh Allen can do it. I didn't rank him in my original top 10 quarterback rankings. I would obviously do that now, but the, it seems like the Baltimore Ravens are built to win this game much more physical than the bills. But like you mentioned, I think the bills are playing such fantastic football. It's hard for me to pick against them at home. All right, Josh, take it away. All right. So a couple things that I feel like need to be mentioned about this game. Certainly this is not a good matchup for the Bills, they got destroyed by Jonathan Taylor last week, and now they're playing a great rushing offense in the Baltimore Ravens. However, I think it's very interesting to note that last year when Lamar had his historic MVP season, there was one team that held Lamar under 200 total yards of offense, and that was the Buffalo Bills. They only allowed 24 points to be scored at in Buffalo against Lamar Jackson. They ended up losing the game, but that was Josh Allen going 17 of 30-something, not being the same Josh Allen then than he is now. I also think it's interesting to note that we're playing a Saturday night game in Buffalo in January against a quarterback from Florida who went to Louisville, who has never played football in the snow before. I think that's something very interesting to note. That's very important to note. This is a team in Buffalo that has obviously some experience playing in the snow. And I think the bills would be insanely, insanely benefited by getting some snow on the ground, but a light snow, not a heavy snow. Like we saw a few years ago in that bills Colts game, because that'll need some, that'll require the bills to run the football, which we're not really going to be able to do too much without Zach Moss. But I think if we get an inch or two of some wet slippery snow, then it's going to be hard for Lamar to move. We saw him in that Niners game last year when it was slippery on that field, not really able to keep his footing, not able to do too much in that game. We also saw him in Cleveland a few weeks ago. Of course, he had a great game there, but he had the issue with his cleats, trying to figure out what was the right cleat for him in those interesting conditions. So I think that could be something really, really important, especially early on if we get some snow in Buffalo. Yeah, Dom? I just want to point out that's not what we remember about Lamar Jackson from that Browns game. You make Oh, of course not. But I think he had to go poo, everyone. He had to go poo. Of course. But I think that is definitely something important to note. It could be really, really beneficial for the Bills defense to get some light snow on the ground. Another thing on the other side of the ball, now looking at the offense, this is a great matchup for the Bills offense. We look at Josh Allen, who has been the best quarterback in the league this year against the Blitz. He leads the league in touchdown passes first downs, yards, and completions of 20-plus yards against the Blitz. And the Ravens blitzed more often than any team in the National Football League this season. I think that's a great matchup for Josh, and I think he'll really be able to go to work against the Blitz. 
Nice job getting outside the pocket, finding his open receivers. The trouble is it's going to be hard. Stephon Diggs is going to be clamped by Marlon Humphrey. I think he'll still be able to get some work done. Going to need Cole Beasley. Going to need Gabe Davis. Maybe a nice day from Dawson Knox, John Brown as well. I think the Bills are going to be able to get this done. It's going to be a really, really tough challenge for this team. I think this is by far the best game of the weekend. But I think the Bills know how to limit Lamar Jackson. They did it before. They can do it again. And I think they're playing with some fire on the offensive side right now, and they'll be able to get the job done. I'm taking the Bills in a very close, exciting game. All right. Yeah. So, so far, we're all picking the same. I figured this would happen. Uh, I mean, obviously, there there aren't, you know, you get down to here, the brass tacks, the games, some of the games are going to be heavily favored, uh, but we are, that's half of our picks for championship games. Now we're going to jump over the Sunday slate, talk about the other rest, the other games left. Uh, The next game we have on slate here is uh, the battle of the big 12 quarterbacks. Uh, We have uh, Baker and the Browns heading up to Arrowhead to take on Patty Mahomes and the well-rested Kansas City Chiefs. Not just a battle of Big 12 quarterbacks, battle of Texas Tech quarterbacks. They were both there, Baker there, before transferring to Oklahoma. Yes, I uh, yeah, I that's true. That's also true. Um, but, you know, this game, first look, we're going to get the Chiefs. The Browns obviously coming off that uh, that crazy win over their division rivals. Um, listen, I know the Chiefs were faltering. But I think the Browns drew a bad matchup here because the the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to do exactly to the to the Browns what, you know, like I'm having a hard time phrasing this. Let me retract here. The Chiefs are going to get out to a very quick lead with their firepowered offense, and it's going to force Baker to have to throw the ball a lot more and rely less on his running backs, and that's where we've seen Baker mess mess up. Because you can't lean on Baker like you can lean on a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, not to quote Chase Claypool here, but um, I'm I'm not going to because I think he's an idiot. Sorry, let me just rephrase that. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I'm going to take my Super Bowl pick. This game's a good matchup for them to to get their toes wet and warm back up after being off so long. And they're going to punch their ticket to host the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. So that's that's what I think, uh, Dom. Yeah, I this game's intriguing to me because it's a ten point spread, and you look at it and you're like, "How is this game a ten point spread?" And I was listening to Colin Cowherd before I came on here. He brought up a point that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are getting the LeBron treatment. You know, you can kind of coast in the playoffs, and I know we're saying coast. They went 14 and two, and it feels weird, but they, they went 14. It. Right. Yeah, they were 14 and one. Yeah, I, thank you. Uh, and it, it's odd because the Chiefs weren't playing that well. And I think they got a great matchup here in the Cleveland Browns. Their defense is not very good. We saw that. Big Ben, I mean, he threw some picks at obviously they weren't great throws, but comparing Big Ben and Patrick Mahomes is not a good comparison. And Ben ended up having 500 passing yards in that game. I think Kansas City is just going to destroy this Cleveland secondary. They are getting Denzel Ward back. He is recovered from COVID-19. Good for him. But I think Kansas City is going to score too many points in this game. I'm not sure if they cover. I would just stay away. 10's a lot. Uh, Has moved down from 10.5, so that is something. But 
I, I look forward to watching this team because I think it could be exciting. Well, to me, the thing about this game, I don't think it's a perfect matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs because I think they're having taken the last two weeks off and not just having the one by having taken two weeks off. I think they might have the opportunity to need to shake off a little bit of rust early. They might be a little slow out of the gate. And this is not a team you want to be slow out of the gate against because if you're down, I don't know, 10-3 at the end of the first quarter, Cleveland's just going to be able to turn to that running game and say, all right, Kareem, all right, Nick, let's just keep running the ball here, keep moving the ball down the field, turn that clock, keep Mahomes on the sideline, and you're going to put Cleveland with a chance here, give him the lead, let him turn to that running offense and let Baker play off the play action. I think this is a difficult situation for Kansas City, who's really, really going to need to come out to a hot start here. I don't think they're going to be able to. I still think Kansas City's going to get the job done. They're the better team. There's no arguing that. I do like the Browns to cover the plus 10 because I think they'll be able to get off to that quick start with the rust on Kansas City. I don't think they're going to win the game. I think Mahomes is going to take over late and show that he is the truth. Obviously, we all know he's the truth, but show that he is still packing Mahomes that the last couple of weeks of the season, they were kind of just coasting by. I do think the Browns cover the plus 10, but Kansas City is going to move on here and host the AFC championship game. We'll definitely have to see which game script goes because we have two clashing ones we'll talk about. We'll see what happens on Sunday afternoon morning. Um, or well, I guess, it, sorry, is this, um, yeah, sorry, Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, so we all, you know, all backing the Chiefs. So that makes it a split the seam Chiefs, Bills, AFC Championship, which going into the postseason podcast the episode where we talked about the postseason, it's what all of us really had. Uh, so nothing changes here. Uh, moving on, next, the final game is going to be. Round three of Bucks Saints. It's uh it's gonna be at the Superdome again. Uh, you know, Brady coming off of that good game against the the football team. And uh you've got the Saints who just came off their off sliming the Bears. Um this game is interesting. I to be honest with you, this game is closer than I think mobile would make it. Um Listen, obviously the Saints have owned the Bucs this season. They're 2-0, and one of the greatest football matches, or one of the biggest one-sided, oh, no, sorry, the biggest one-sided football game of the season was the Saints dominating the Buccaneers uh, last time out. But um, I, I like the Bucs off of a nice win on the road, and I think the Saints didn't play up to the capabilities they have against the Bears. Uh, so I could, I, I see a world where the bucks run away with this game. I see a world where the saints run away with this game. And a part of me wants to not pick every favored team to win. But when you get to divisional rounds, that kind of is how it goes. It's, it's, it, it just, it just is how it goes. And I'm going to take the saints, but I will say on here that I totally see a world where the bucks win this game. And I see all the justifications for it. I just think in the Superdome, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, they get it done in a close one here to win the third matchup of the season against Bruce Arians Buccaneers. Uh, Josh, what do you think about this game? It's going to be a fun game. Obviously two legends at the quarterback position in Drew Brees and Tom Brady, two of the best to ever do it. Two future hall of famers who have been around for quite some time in quite some time though, in Tom Brady's career, he's never ever lost to a team three times in the same year. 
And obviously Tom Brady at 43 years old is not the Tom Brady that he once was back in New England, all those terrible, terrible days of me watching that team. But at the end of the day, it's still 12 throwing the ball back there. And I don't see a team beating him three times in one year. Strictly off of that logic, I am going to pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My gut's telling me Brady's going to get it done. Brady's not losing to the same team three times in one year. He came to Tampa on a mission to beat Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. He knew he would have to go through them in the playoffs. Now he's going to go through Drew Brees here and go face Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking Tampa. I don't like it. I hope I'm wrong. I'm taking Tampa. All uh, right, the first difference in pick. Tom? Question for you, Josh. Because, I mean, in order to play a team three times in one year, you have to face a divisional team in the playoffs. Has Brady ever faced a team from his division in the playoffs? Yeah, he played the Jets when and he and he lost to the Jets. Jets. Yeah, but they didn't get swept that year by the Jets. Um, I don't know if they ever played Miami. They didn't. I don't think they, they didn't. Uh, I, but Dom's point isn't the sweep thing. I think it's playing teams in division in the postseason. Yeah, I yeah. just, I just like don't think that like because listen, I, I, I'm gonna get this out of the way. I'm gonna use the same logic as you. I don't see Tom Brady getting beat by the same team three times in a row. I just don't think that that's ever happened because he's never really had any opportunities because the Bills never made the playoffs. The Jets never really made the playoffs and neither did the Dolphins. So I think that that is something different, but uh, it doesn't show his opponents. But can I go to game logs on here and go postseason? I can't. I'll do some. Uh, I'll get it. Uh, Oakland, no, 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 no. Jets, he beat the Jets at one time, so he didn't lose to them three times. He lost 2010. Can one of you guys look at 2010? See if he lost it right now. He lost. They the Jets lost to New England 45 to 3 the year they beat them in the playoffs. So yeah, so so he hasn't he hasn't he's he's never been swept by a team three times. And he's played a team in his division in the playoffs twice. So I mean, I, I I don't see him getting swept by the Saints. And I also think the Bucs are, at this moment, playing a little bit more consistent of football. Uh, the offense is firing on all cylinders. I thought what they did to in very impressive defense in the Washington football team was clinical. And, I mean, I think the Saints are a very similar team on the defensive side. Uh, really great defensive line, solid secondary good linebackers. And I think that's what the saints team kind of presents to them as well. But I think that Tom Brady's can be able to handle it. And I think that bucks defense is starting to play a little bit better. Heineke did a good job, but if they can just find ways to make Drew Brees uncomfortable, we've seen Drew Brees, you know, he needs to play off the back foot and throw. He was able to do that last time. I don't think they'll be able to do it this time. I'm going to take the bucks as well. All right. Well, I mean, I uh, backed the Saints early in the season that paid off for me in the regular season. So I guess it's fitting that I backed them to go for an MC championship game. Plus, I just really want to manifest Breeze Rogers uh, as well, which is would be my NFC championship game. I find Breeze Rogers uh, just as interesting. I find Breeze Breeze Rogers more interesting because it's it's never really happened. But I mean, I guess neither, neither is. Yeah, but I yeah, I just. It's crazy that Breeze Rogers hasn't happened because they're both they're both in the same conference. So uh, you can't use that excuse like you could with Brady Rogers. Uh, yeah, so that does it. That's uh, that NFL divisional round 
wrapped up. Uh, that's all of our picks. Uh, obviously, we've got two boys in this call who uh, who've got teams at stake, and um, if and when either of their teams lose, they're gonna they're gonna hear it. Uh, not saying like they should both win, but I'm just saying like it just it's how it is. Uh, I mean, and on the before the season, I mean, I'm started, not gonna hit Dom if the Rams lose to the Packers. They should lose to the Packers. They're not right, a good. We're six. We're six point dogs in that game. And, yeah. And we came on the show preseason, and I predicted the Rams would win six games and finish in last place. This season's been incredible. Uh, the fact that the Rams are still playing in mid-January is a success in my books. I, I like I said, house money. Right. I think this team is certainly capable of being the Packers, but I mean, when I simulate the game, you know, that, that, that like mentally that 50 times, I see the Rams losing the Packers more than they do beat them. And that's why I'm picking them. You talk about the season the Rams have had, but you do, I don't know if you know this, but they lost the Jets this season. Yes. I, I'm very well aware. Jets. I don't know if you remember that one. I mean, I, that basically I, counts as 10 losses. So they've lost no. the same amount of games as you thought they would. They actually lost more in my book. <laughs> Ha ha. How, <laughs> how, how was sitting on the couch watching 12? Here's an Eagles comment. Yeah. 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 Oh. It is. <laughs> it is. I don't know what you want. You're going to come attack my team. Uh, we're, in the, we're, we're in the divisional round and you're sitting here like you lost to the Jets. Yeah, we did. I'm, you know, I'm very well aware. Right to make those jokes right now. I'm sorry. I don't care. I, I, there's no given right. I can yeah, make it, all I want. I mean, your team went four and 11. The constitution yeah, of the true. United States gives Leo the right to give me crap about the Rams losing to the yeah. Jets. Sure. He and just Josh. looks like an idiot because his team went four and 11. I mean, my team going four and 11 and making jokes about him, the Jets are, are completely separate things. These aren't tied events. I don't play for the team. I'm using sure. the, I'm using the Dom line. I don't play for. I was on the field. I didn't play that game. <laughs> sure, but the perfect comeback is all right. Enjoy your weekend, not having a game, and I'll watch the Rams playing the Packers in the divisional round. You know, I'm the I'm the only one here that watched a Lombardi get raised and then have to go on YouTube for it. So Thanks. let's wait a couple of weeks on that one. He he hasn't Whoa. been able to do that. He hasn't been able to do that. Let's let's get that out of the way. Uh, but I've also seen my team play in a game where a team rose the Lombardi Trophy. So, uh, wow, that's really cool, Dom. It is. We were tied with nine minutes left in the game. Okay, that's really cool. I, I'm I'm glad you're. I'm glad three, Josh. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here to talk about how the Rams scored three. Thank you for bringing up the fact that the Rams scored three points. In I didn't. On that. Josh did. Josh. Josh did. Okay. You I know, know you what? brought up. You said you 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 got to watch a game where your team where your team watched the well, raise a Lombardi. Well, but you but you said you can't. You'd have to like you got to watch your team do it as opposed to watching it on YouTube. And I said, well, Josh can't do that because his team has never won one. My team. Has of course it was before I was born, so I don't really care. And then, but yeah, in my awesome. lifetime, I've watched oh a team, God. I've watched a team raise it in a game that my team played in because in my lifetime, my team has made it to a Super Bowl. We're, we're, we're going off a stupid tangent here. Okay, you, <laughs> yes. you had to bring up. I mean, you had to bring up the fact that my team lost to the Jets. Yeah, I, I I get it. I'm super easy to make fun of. Okay, I take it like a champ because I'm cool, but it's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I mean, you're not easy to make fun of, but let's get this out. No, of I, I, it's also yeah. not you. It's your team. I, it's it's whatever. It's 
uh, you, you're you're in a very very nice sports position, Dom, and uh, I, I am. You've got your your two teams, which in very is nice funny because I've never been able to say. I mean, Josh is too, but we're not making fun of you, Josh. We're not. I'm not making funny. I'm just saying his his sports teams are in a nice spot. If you want to start making fun of me about my teams, just watch the Sabres game tonight. Don't worry. I mean, I yeah, I mean, we, I, I know you're, I will, he had some egregious hockey takes the last time I was on poker. So I, we're going to get caught. It was only going to be a long season. Jack, Jack yeah, Eichel, you, you, and Taylor. Yeah, Hall. He, I still can't believe you sat there and were like, Oh, you know, we can make a run here. And then, and then now, now you're realizing you're better <laughs> no, than they 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 like seven teams in this division that were better than them. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, we list I mean, out every team you'd have to play like eighty percent of those games against. Anyway. Yeah, I mean and, and the like, Giants. Fine. And now Josh, the Giant, the Giants could have made the playoffs if the Eagles beat the football team, but it didn't happen. How about you don't win six games? Right, I know. Knuckleheads. I know. I, I, I was that was that was directed at you, Giants fans. All right, let's let's get out of here. All right, let's get let's find let's we, let's do final thoughts here, uh, Josh. Final thoughts. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let's see some snow on the ground Saturday night in Buffalo. It'll be a fun environment if we do. 6,700 fans in the stands once again. Going to be a fun night. Hopefully it ends with a W. Hopefully there's some snow on the ground, and hopefully it's going to be a great, great game. I'm looking forward to it. I think the Bills are going to pull it out. Let's see some snow on the ground. All right. Dom? Uh, You know, hopefully if Jared Goff – doesn't turn the ball over again, the Rams will win. If he turns the ball over, like I've said all year, the Rams will lose. That's how this team rolls. All right. And uh, I guess my final thoughts since I – this is all, all, all always turned into team bias the hour uh, with the final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to just stick away from that. Uh, you've got – Keep your eye on MLB. It's going to heat up a lot more. There's still a lot of names out there like Josh talked about at the top of the hour. Um, and you know, keep your eyes locked. All these playoff games, it's postseason magic. Anything can really happen. Any of these teams could win. We just decided to, you know, pick a lot of favorites. Uh, and that's all I've got to say. Thank you guys for listening to episode 19 of the split the steam podcast. We will see you next week for some championship games, some championship football, probably some baseball news and the big episode two Oh of the split the steam podcast. Thank you for listening guys.